Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. everyone and welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN with Brooke Grimsley and Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. Great to have you with us at 702. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. Kids, it's great to be back for a half hour. It's great to have just one half hour. Yeah, I'm going to go, got- go perform my civic duty, you Mr. You got things Davis. to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You won't be with us yeah. for long. But jury duty. Jury it, duty today. It matters. It counts. Uh, yeah, it does. You're, you're doing your... I'm wearing your a jacket, duty. obviously, so I'll get kicked out quickly. <laughs> you got to tell them about your best friend, Wesley, and then I'm sure they will... That's a start. Yeah, Wesley Bell. That's you a and start. him are, you yeah. know. Yeah. First name basis. You all talk often. Often. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that'll Text be part communication of communication a lot. Yep. Yep. So we have there. to do that. Look how you yeah. doing. I know. I, I walked in and I was like, oh wow. I didn't know that we were dressing up today like oh, this. Yeah. I feel very underdressed. No. Luckily, Carrie's also with the relaxed, <laughs> you know, choice of clothing as Always. well, like me. So I didn't feel as bad, but still. <laughs> when I dress up, it's literally playing dress up every time. Every time. Don't don't worry about that. Hey, if you and Brooke, I know you were among them. If you were one of the XFL record 38,310 fans at the Dome yesterday for the Battlehawks 24-11 win over Arlington. Congratulations. Great job by the Battlehawks. That was, uh, it was great. The, the stars of the game were the fans. Indeed. I mean, just to show up and show out in that manner, the XFL has something special here in St. Louis, and St. Louis is showing them why we should have never had a team, a couple of teams leave mm-hmm. here and why they want to show up. And th- we have some of the best fans in the world. Just they support their their teams and, you know, it doesn't matter what level it is. They're going to show up and show out. And they did that yesterday. I thought it was great. I mean, just uh, the fans, the energy they had outside, the tailgating was super intense. They brought that energy inside. There was times that it was a little stagnant in there, a stagnant in there just because of the pace of play. But still, once things got going, and then you had, you know, your two kind of, I would say, local guys doing well. Mm-hmm. You had Brian Hill and then Austin Prohl, obviously mm-hmm. growing up here in St. Louis, and his dad coming back as well. And Anthony Beck does play for the Rams. It was just a very full circle moment. And seeing the fans enjoy that was super exciting as well. Pretty cool. And the team, the, the league is, it's kind of the haves and the have-nots. Mm-hmm. They're now 3-1. and one. There's a couple of 4-0 and o teams, and then there's a couple of teams that don't appear to have a chance. But it was fun to have the Battlehawks back in St. Louis yesterday for the first time since 2020. Meanwhile, the Cardinals down in Florida had a successful weekend. They beat the Mets on Friday 7-5, to five, lost to the Astros on Saturday 3-2, to two, and yesterday beat the Nationals 5-1. to one. And the story of the weekend wasn't even the results of the game. Start with the fact that Jordan Walker injured a shoulder running the bases, and he will miss a couple of days. 
Yeah, he he's got, hopefully he's okay. I mean, we were talking about it yesterday, learning how to slide properly, uh, wanting to go foot first as opposed to head first. I, I, it's probably going to be a tough task to to get him to to change up when he if he feels like he gets there faster. Maybe just one of those guys is going to give you everything he got. Uh, every chance he has, but he's going to, you know, have nicks here and there that that come from that. Well, yeah, and that that's exactly what happened. It's it's a very scary moment. I I would like to say I would like to see our young star players or really any player just not dive head first in those situations. So maybe he can work with, you know, say his buddy Mason went about mm-hmm. sliding feet first. I know that he kind of mentioned that that you know in his mind. He, he told some of the reporters in his mind it's quicker to dive head first. Mm-hmm. I get that. But then you have those injuries that pop up as well, especially when you have a shoulder issue. That's something that you don't want to see with especially how well he's been doing this spring training and you want him to be a part right. of the, the big league roster here soon. Jordan Walker, just please slide feet first yeah. just for, for you know everybody to feel a little bit better because that's deeply concerning. And luckily, it's just day-to-day right now, but he he avoided possibly an even bigger injury. Yeah. By the way, Mason Wynn, 0 for 2 yesterday, all the way down to 348, Oof. and the OPS all the way down to 1.081. You got to get together, right? Yeah, come on, Mason. <laughs> and Steven Matz was terrific. Steven Matz, 3 and 2 thirds. He allowed a run on three hits, but he struck out five, did walk three. But Matz has a 1.35 ERA for the spring. Ryan Helsley had a perfect inning. He fit, pitched the second. Uh, Chris Vonderha, another scoreless inning, and the Cardinals love him. And uh, so... He might be the guy, and uh, I know you guys laughed at my Chris Stratton making the team, but Chris Stratton with another scoreless inning for the Redbirds, too. Mm. So you're all in on Chris Stratton. I am. (laughs) Overall, I thought it was a pretty impressive weekend from everybody, even if you take into account, I know that obviously he wasn't with the team, but in World Baseball Classic, Adam Wainwright as well, he looked like vintage Wayno out there. So overall, from all the guys that you're looking at, including Steven Matz, I would put at the top of my list right now just because of how well he's done so far. I thought it was a great appearance from all of the Cardinals pitching staff, really. Yeah, they pitched really well. The World Baseball Classic team, by the way, lost to Mexico last night 11-5 after winning their opener against Great Britain. So they have to uh, get going again. They, we shouldn't be losing to Mexico. Uh, no, you, they have a, a star-studded team. They got they'll get they'll they'll figure it out. They'll yeah. score a few more runs, allow a few less runs, and and have an opportunity to win. Randy, can we mark this date down? Because I'm gonna I'm gonna make a statement. Okay. And I, I want it to be you know remembered. Write after. it down, Rock. Mark this tape. Write it down. The Cardinals are going to win the World Series this year. Whoa! Yeah. Proud of you. They're going to win it. All right. I just the Cardinals will win the World Series this year. Write it down. Okay. 708-313-2023. It was said here. World Series champs. World Series champs. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll keep that in mind. I'm, I'm, yeah, I, mean, I will they, never they, forget. They I will have, never forget I know, that. You, you remember everything. They, they have everything that you need, right? They, they, they're they going to score runs. You and I said eight runs a game. I, I think we're on pace for that yeah, uh, roughly yeah. and, and as long as they pitch and perform well in that area we, we, we might win every game and i they, don't know if we will but just a potential right ton of depth yeah they, they could get a lot of they have a lot of depth they have a lot of talent uh, they got a lot of guys that they can try out there that are going to hit the ball well and you know i'm excited right. to see this team brooke you on board with 12 and 23 i will always support you carrie thank you just Greatly not in that one it. moment wow. as of right now wow. i don't know i would i would i want to see a few things and how they shake out first and then i'll be full in now okay. do they have a very talented team 
Yes. You have a lot of depth. Yes. Those are things I like to see. Hopefully, we're not going to have the same offensive woes that we've seen in the last couple of playoffs. Those first round early exits. And friend of the show, Turner Ward. There you go. Just get gooder. Just get, keep getting gooder. Yep. Get gooder every day. I <laughs> every love day. that. Yeah. <laughs> um, college basketball uh, carries Mizzou Tigers, number seven seed oh. in the South. Oh, good job, Mizzou. <laughs> they'll, they'll take, <laughs> they'll take uh, on it really Pricey, a good that's a job. Matchup, Carrie. Yeah. It is a good job. I mean, they, they do have a, a tough matchup against Utah State. Uh, Utah yeah. State. I'm not saying that they're going to lose, but that 10-7 matchup is is a... It's always tough. It's always tough. That's at 1240 on Thursday. Also on Thursday at 330, the Fighting Illini, ILL. I and I. The number nine seed take on Arkansas in the first round. Arkansas seems to be kind of a mess right now. It sounds like a a win for for the Illini. The 9-8 matchup is generally a... I don't know why why the matchups work that way. It, It just turns out that, you know, some teams... And some numbers, 5-12 is always a dangerous yeah. matchup. 10-7 is a dangerous matchup. 9-8 is a coin toss, so you you never really really concern yourself with that one. So I do think the Illini will get out of it. I think they might make it to the Sweet 16. I said the, that the Mizzou Tigers will make it to the Sweet 16 as well. All right. I, I really like that matchup with Illinois and Arkansas because it could just go a million different ways. Just the way that both of their seasons have gone, especially for Arkansas towards the end there. And then for Illinois, it's been up and down. And it was a little kind of rough down the stretch there. But still, I feel like that's going to be a really good, interesting game. Or just nothing exciting happens. It's going to be either Either or. It's one of those. Right. (laughs) And by the way, SLU didn't even make the NIT. They got rolled by VCU on Saturday. Didn't even make the NIT. And so you got to be better. Don't like it? Play better. That's just how it goes. And historic effort by St. Louis City SC. They come back for a win in Portland. Win by a, a tally of 2-1. to one. Down one nothing. They climb back for a win with a header in the 75th minute for the win. Become the second expansion side to start 3-0-0. Seattle did it in 2009. Matthew? I was happy with the use of side. Oh, yeah. It's our side. Yeah. It is. And they're looking great on the table right now. Yes. Splendid. They're, they're looking splendid you, on the table. You know where they're at, right, Randy? Hmm. They're top of the table. Top of the table. There you go. They scored the uh, first tally of uh, this this match on the pitch on Saturday after falling behind 1-0. Time run there by Rasmus Alm. Back inside looking for Klaus. He fanned on it. Stroud out in front. And we're level at one. Jared Stroud finds the back of the net for the second time in 2023, right before the stroke of halftime. And then in the second half, St. Louis City SC took the lead. Leuven going to serve it again. Right into the back post. And a chance to make it 2-1, and they do. It seemed like it was going to be a chance for Portland to clear. But the new kids on the block are singing and dancing again as they've taken their first lead of the night. Kerry, what are we doing here? Winning games. We're winning, winning, winning games. matches. I mean, the broadcasters. Me. I mean. Oh, I, well, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Do we need yeah, help? Yeah, guys, okay. can you please so show when the fans? When, a, when, when, a, when a, all goes in the net in, in football or it, soccer, what happens is you go, Go! Come on! 
They need to let us in the booth. As Trevor uh, Taylor Twelman would say. <laughs> By the way, I hear the midday show got Taylor Twelman on the air last week. <laughs> oh, he was hot. <laughs> I heard he that. was so I heard upset. became Ferrari and have a relationship so with the guy. Upset. He was upset. Rock was upset about that yeah. one. <laughs> Upset. He I'm was not, bothered. I'm not happy with Mr. Twelman <laughs> okay. right now. I mean, uh, maybe, maybe maybe he's not a morning guy. I guess I don't uh, know. That could be. The Blues uh, beat the Blue Jackets on Saturday, five to two. Great job by Brooke on the pre and post in between periods. Congratulations! Thank you. That was uh, that was nerve wracking. There's no way to really step in for Alex Ferrario because he does such an amazing job with mm-hmm. it. Um, I tried my best. That's all I'll say. It was a lot of fun, though. You know? I missed it, but I heard you did a great job. That's what I was told. Is that you sounded terrific? As long as people say that, that's great, I guess. Yeah. But it was it was a lot. It was a lot of fun doing that Blues pre and post game, and then turning around and having a Blues game yesterday too. I right mean, after that was, the bedlocks? Yeah, lots of blues this yeah. weekend. <laughs> yeah. the, the blues last night down to Vegas early. William Carlson with his thirteenth of the year, but Jakob Vrana scoring for the Blues to get the equalizer. To the net. Who's forced to play? They score! Verona chips in the power play goal. Ties the game one to one. 6.34 to go, first period. In the second period, Marcia Soanamato scored for the, the Golden Knights early. Craig Berube calls a timeout, and the Blues came back late in that second. Blues bring it up, Ice, get it in, Butch Navich. It's the trailer. Thomas to Cairo. Score! Great passing by these three. Jordan Cairo nets his 30th of the year, pulls the Blues to within one. 4.41 to play, second period. In the third, Tyler Pitlick scored his fifth of the year, evening the score at three apiece. That came at the 3.41 mark. But then Pavel Dvoriev scoring for. The Golden Knights at 523 of the third. A goal that actually went off of his face yeah. to provide the winner for Vegas. Here is Blues head coach Craig Berube. Yeah, it's just tough bounce, right? Um, overall, I thought we played a really good game. Played against a good team. Um, you know, I thought we had uh, great effort. A lot of good scoring chances, you know. A lot of good stuff in the game. That's where the Blues are right now. They, they turned in a great effort, tried hard, and just didn't have enough to get over the hump. Well... And my big my biggest takeaway though from this weekend one, they won two straight going into yesterday's game, and you've I've, I don't know if you guys have noticed this or not, but I feel like you're seeing these guys kind of realizing okay this is this is what we have going on now we need to just start playing together. That was my biggest takeaway from yesterday is that they finally look like they are battling for each other. Yes, you don't like the end result there, but I like the way that they fought during that entire game. And also, I like the way that Craig Bruby found little ways to kind of bring a spark to the team. Like, even he said prior to the game that he would find ways to get Pavel Buchnevich a shift with Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo, and it mm-hmm. paid off with Cairo getting his 30th goal of the season after he got the hat trick yeah. on Saturday night, his second of the season. It, I just thought that there was a lot of at least positive moments. And you could even feel afterwards in the locker room, the guys felt, yeah, we lost and it's not great. But at the same time, we realized, okay, this is, this. it is what it is. We don't need to come in, you know, sad every single day. We need to play for each other, need to start working together. And I think you're starting to see the results of that as well, too. You see guys look a lot more confident out there, you know, playing for each other. Yeah. And then even, I like what he's done with Alexi Torpchenko too this weekend as well, just placing him in different spots. You know, at times he's on the top line and then he moved him down with Pitlick, which res- resulted in that goal as well. Right. He brought so much physicality to that game as well and you saw it pay off. And they're finding out 
literally what they have. They, that's what they need to do. Yeah, you're you're in a in a position right now where you know you're not going to make the playoffs. You're not going to make the playoff push. You're really just finding guys that are going to compete, do the job that is asked of them, and do it to the level that that needs to be, you know, to, that you need to have to be successful and be able to sustain uh, in this league. And th- there are a lot of young guys out there that are fighting for their NHL lives, for their mm-hmm. lives as a, as a St. Louis Blue. And so they're going to give you, or they should be giving you everything that they have. And I think you're, you're still going to lose some games, unfortunately, because you may not be as talented as some of the teams you face. But you just want to see the effort and the energy from those guys willing to do, as Brooks said, play together, work together, and not leave each other out to dry. Last night was perfect. If, if I get effort, I want losses. If I get effort and losses, I'm good. Why do you, you want to lose, Randy? I, I want that draft pick, oh, baby. Okay. <laughs> Bedard or anyone? Not gonna get him. If I get the number, number one defenseman available in the draft, Sounds I'll, take, good. I'll take that too. Just a, <laughs> a big guy that can uh, can play on the blue line, yeah, I'll take that too. You hit some people? Yeah. I, I mean, that's a very that, good defenseman draft. I don't care. Right. Get one. Yeah. Or, or, or go trade for one. You got a couple of first-round draft yeah. picks. Well, take a look at uh, a guy named Nicholas Lidstrom where he was drafted. That's all I'm saying. He wound pretty, up being okay. Pretty, he's okay. He's yeah. pretty good. All right. <laughs> We're off and running here on 101 ESPN. We've got uh, what we loved about the weekend next. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. <laughs> Right. Before I depart to, to uh, I, I'm going to comply with my civic duty, and I'm going to do jury duty. Good so job. I'm gonna I'm gonna head out early. But we do need to tell everybody what our favorite things about the weekend were. Number three. All right, Brooke, what do you got? My number three thing is gonna be City SC starting out three and Only one other expansion team has done that in MLS history, and they've done that. Now, I will say, it was a very late game Saturday night, so I didn't exactly stay up because also I was doing, as I mentioned, Blues pre and post game. (laughs) But I did promise you guys, I I woke up, looked at everything, and I thought that that was absolutely fantastic. I did predict that Roman Berkey would get the clean sheet. That didn't happen, but still, a good performance from him. That would be a shutout in regular parlance, right? The clean sheet? Yeah, yeah. Um, So, but either way... I thought it was a fantastic game. I liked that, you know, they came in kind of the underdogs and now they're really showing everybody, look, we are not your normal expansion team. Uh, for me, my number three thing was Mason Wynn making the tag at second base on a mm-hmm. stolen on a stolen base attempt. Just the athleticism that he has. Yeah, he's 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 gonna be really good, Randy. And you talked about him earlier, the way that he's hitting the ball. I, I think he'll be here sometime this summer. Uh, and I think he will be your everyday shortstop for the future. I, I just he, he has so much talent, so much ability. It's going to be hard to keep him out of the lineup as long as he can hit. And truthfully, even if he doesn't hit with the lineup that they have, the amount of defense that he he has behind him is going to be it's going to be fun to watch for for many years here. And guys, my number three Saturday night Chase Field in Phoenix, Arizona. Nolan Arnauto three for five with a couple of RBIs and a run scored. He was the dominant force. Had two spectacular defensive plays in a six two USA win over Great Britain. How cool is it that the best players on the American team? The, the first baseman and the third baseman are both Cardinals, Goldie and Arenado. It's pretty pretty awesome. I yeah. mean, it's, it's fun to see. It's fun to watch. You know what Arenado is going to do in the field, and, and when he's at bat, you know what he's going to do as well. Yeah. It's just it's fun to watch. What, Randy, did you see Great, Great Britain's jerseys? 
Yeah. Are you a fan? Are you a fan? Do you remember Johnny Max? <laughs> yeah. It, it, and, and Johnny Max did a better job than that. Yeah, much better. Yeah. <laughs> much better. They were not was, great. I was, uh, I, was, I was like, this yeah. is this real? Yeah, somebody's mom. Oh, man. It looks tough. I have one petition. I think that every time that somebody from Team USA hits a home run, that you add a bald eagle screech to go right after it. So, especially high school, you hear it. Like, I can't do a bald eagle screech. (laughs) I've been too busy doing the cacaws this weekend, so I got to work on that. But I think that would be a nice little addition. Good thought. Number two. All right, my second thing, segueing into that is Kaka is a law because Battlehawks home opener was absolutely fantastic this weekend. The fans, as we mentioned, 38,000 plus showing up mm-hmm. and just building a great atmosphere, showing that football should have never left St. Louis pro football. And I thought it was just great to see, first of all, the team in person. And seeing all the fan support, I love seeing in the crowd all these amazing costumes. Because mm-hmm. you don't see that at yeah. Blues and Cardinals games, no. right? And yeah. you didn't at Rams. No. no. See, so seeing yeah, these that, amazing that... bird costumes was <laughs> yeah. cre- incredible. I wish The Rock was there. As we know, he's busy with the Oscars or something like that. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. he had a nice little video message for fans saying thank you for their support. That was pretty cool. Uh, for me, my number two was the Bears trading away the number number one pick. Trading it for uh, to the Carolina Panthers. They're going to get the number one pick. But the Bears got some things in return that I think are – I'm not a, a, a Bears fan, but I, I think what they got in return, DJ Moore, the ninth overall pick. You got another first-round future, future pick and a, and a second-round pick for this year as well. I think they're going to do, do some spectacular things, and, and I think they're going to get some help for Justin Fields. Justin Fields getting DJ Moore is going to be – Awesome for him. I think I read I read somewhere that if Justin if DJ Moore's stats right now, I think he might be the all-time leading receiver with the stats he has in his first five years in the league and would be third in receptions in Bears history if he were if he wow. had been a Chicago Bear up until this point. So it's uh it's gonna be good for Justin Fields and it's gonna be good for their Bears team to have a solid number one receiver that that they can throw to. My number two is also from football, and it's the continued decimation of the Los Angeles Rams. We knew they were going to have to pay the piper, right? When they yes. when they bought They're that Super apart. Bowl, but I didn't think it was going to happen this fast. They gave up two number ones for Jalen Ramsey, traded him to Miami yesterday for a third, yeah, and a, a and a tight, tight end, a middling level tight end, mm-hmm. uh, and they're going to be bad for a while. They even admitted it. Yeah. So to see the continued descent of that franchise when they. Decided to F them picks and have it come back and haunt them. <laughs> Love seeing it. Love seeing it. Number one. Number one. <laughs> my number one, Randy, while you were out last week, I established myself as the president, chairman, treasurer, CEO of the Lars Newt Bar fan club. I noticed. And yeah. <laughs> yes, I think I think you could see my fandom from afar. Um, and Lars Newt Bar has continued to be fantastic in that first round for Japan going six for 14 with two stolen bases and more walks than strikeouts. And he also has introduced the pepper grinder sensation to Japan. He is an international superstar. I just love seeing him doing the pregame speeches. I don't know if you guys have seen that as well. Also talking to the crowd afterwards. It's fantastic. I love everything about it. It's incredible. And he's an international superstar. He's My a pop favorite, sensation. Yeah, was uh, <laughs> when, when I, was it Otani that was giving the fire up speech before one of their uh, preparation games? And Newt comes out and says, 
What do you say? <laughs> <laughs> and his translator yes. wasn't yeah, paying attention. He was like, no, I didn't either. <laughs> yeah. uh, my number one is a young man uh, from St. Louis playing for St. Louis City. 17-year-old young man who's in class today in Pattonville after playing in Portland for the St. Louis City Miguel Perez. Perez. This is, for me, Randy, to, to be able to be a professional athlete, to be able to do all of the things that are required in order to, to have success on the pitch and then make it back in town to be in school. And, and you, you kind of feel like he, he has to be like a superstar in, his, oh, in yeah. his class, right? He has to be the man when he's walking down the hall. He's got to have theme music walking behind him. Like when you are that young and having that much success, it is so exciting for him. Shout out to, to Pattonville Pirates, old North County uh, rivals. We're still rivals. We still play one another. Uh, Suburban North Conference, but you know I'm, I'm I'm happy for him and I'm happy you know for his family because this has to be a very cool moment, very very special moment for his family and for himself. That's a great number one, and guys, my number one is Mizzou taking the initiative to sign Dennis Gates to an extension already after his first year, and he turned around the program very quickly. But the big thing they did is they set it up so that he's got a 25 million dollar buyout, so it's going to be hard for the, one of the big boys, one of the blue bloods, to come after him and take him away because most don't want to pay $25 million. So I think Desiree Reed-Francois has done a fantastic job in finding Dennis Gates, making sure that he came to Mizzou, getting a great first season out of him, and now keeping him for the long term. I think Mizzou's basketball future, as it should have been for the last, since they went into the SEC 11 years ago, it should have been better than it has been. Finally, it's going to be what it should be. You have to be excited as a Mizzou fan. In one year, what he's done for this program, what the future holds, because you feel like it's only going to get better the more uh, the, the more familiar those kids become with him and his style of play and the kids that he can bring in. It's going to be fun to watch them in the next few years to see how well they can continue to grow. One uh, tied for first, and this is actually from last week, but the fact that Brooke already has us engaged in controversy yes. with the rest of the station. Oh, sorry. No, it's <laughs> great. We, we love it. So, Brooke, you play pickleball, right? So you know you know the rules. Uh, kind of? Well, I play, I play tennis competitively, I okay. and so I just figured that it would be easy. Okay, so go. you don't. That's fine. <laughs> but it's my understanding that there's a little... A, a, a little area near the net that you aren't supposed to go in to hit the ball because mm-hmm. the court is so small and they don't want you hitting into other players. And part of what I will do, part of the service that I will render on this team, and I told Carrie earlier, I'll take the first 15 by going into that area and smashing the ball into somebody's face. Nice. <laughs> Randy, I, I so feel like... So you and the, the, the opposing player will be out for, for a while. For, for a while. <laughs> yeah. huh? That, yeah. the, uh, the opposing person longer than me. I feel like I feel like you're definitely being kind of underestimated by the other shows. By the way, in this pickleball tournament battle, I have I have sneaky quickness. Yeah, they yeah. they just felt go. you were going to come yeah. back and be completely upset with what we got you into, and I said you don't know Randy character. We're going to win this <laughs> thing. Randy is ready, as are we. We're ready to roll. So. Here's the problem: BK and Ferrario think they're athletes. Didn't BK? <laughs> Didn't BK hit like zero home runs in the home run hitting competition? (laughs) I think he said that had nothing to do with athleticism. And then the the other guys think they're athletes. (laughs) Well, BT is not there anymore. So good luck, buddies.
Okay. Oh, we are looking forward to this. Whatever challenge yeah. you all yeah. so present. Thanks for starting this, Brooke. Yeah. You know, I just wanted us all to come together. I want to get to know my new coworkers. That's all I wanted. So we'll we'll exert our dominance. No problem. <laughs> uh, all right. I am going to go to jury duty, guys. Thanks for having me for a half hour. Hopefully, thank you for stopping yeah, in. I can almost guarantee yeah. that I'll be back tomorrow. I, I, one time I got out of jury duty, and I think it was this time of year. I think it was actually during. NFL and by the way, the legal tampering period in the NFL starts today. I think, I think it was NFL free agency, and I had to. I went to the judge finally at the end of the day, and I said I can't come back tomorrow. And he said, "Why?" And I said, "Because the city needs me." <laughs> I love it. And he it. said, "Really?" I said, "Well, NFL free agency." So, yeah. So uh, hopefully, I'll be back tomorrow. We'll see. Maybe I'll get on a jury, and probably won't get on a murder. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Does anybody in here know the prosecutor? Well, yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty well. Okay. You guys have a great show. I'll be tuned in as much as I can. Thank you, sir. Which All will right. be a lot. Yes. I'll be listening on the app. All right. Uh, coming up next year on 101 ESPN, the Cardinal Weekend. Brooke and Carrie will bring that to you here on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Heckman Lumber. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, Trex, Evergrain, and Azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber is an authorized Yeti dealer and also stocks a large assortment of grills. So celebrate summer with a new Big Green Egg, Weber Gas, or Charcoal Grill and all of the accessories from Hackman Lumber. Come visit their showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Burleson, wins start and then stop. And that ball is launched. Right center field, well hit. Stone Garrett on the run, not going to get it off the base of the wall. Mason on his way to third. Pop Warner's going to wave it. Relay throw will be late. Alec Burleson with a double makes it 1-0. Runner goes. Swing and a miss. Kisner's throw is high and wide. Sweep tag. What a play. Unbelievable play. Kisner's throw sailed high and wide, but the catch and tag in time to get Lane Thomas sliding on the way by. Look at this great athletic play by Mason Wind. So Smith has some heavy lifting to do, but it can't happen. How about that inning? Back-to-back outings for Helsley where he strikes out three batters. Talk about talent. How about that inning? Mr. Hicks just blew away the Nationals, struck out the side. That's how you send us to the stretch. 
That audio was courtesy of Valley Sports Midwest, and welcome back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley. Randy Carricker had to go serve on jury duty, so he is out for the rest of the day. Thankful for him stopping in for 30 minutes and, and blessing us with his presence. <laughs> uh, Brooke, the Cardinals ha- had some, some spectacular things take place this weekend and some unfortunate things. Obviously, Jordan Walker, who we didn't mention, t- is now day-to-day with a shoulder injury uh, after sliding into, into base and, and really banging up his shoulders, sliding in head first. What are you, what are you looking for in terms of you know, kind of some, some ideas of when he'll be back or, or terms of when he'll be healthy to go again? Well, so Ali Marmal said that it was kind of precautionary of why they're kind of holding him back a little bit right now because of the shoulder issues, right? As we mentioned, you don't want to see one of your players slide headfirst, dive headfirst especially, and it seems like he will need to work on sliding feet first. I know that that was mentioned that maybe that will be something that they'll start working on him with. And he even said, you know, maybe there's a day that I come in and start looking into that more because he said that he felt like he's faster, that it's quicker if he dives head first. But mm-hmm. as we know, as we saw, then you worry about a bigger injury, shoulder issues. I think that we've seen that happen many times. Hands, yeah, yeah, hands, fingers, a wrists. lot of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully... Maybe this will be like a little bit of a learning lesson. I'm sure that they'll they'll work on him with it a little bit because that's the last thing that you want, especially with the way that he has really hit his way into this conversation of having to be on the opening day roster for mm-hmm. the Cardinals. You don't want to lose that. No. And he's super talented as well. And I think the last thing anybody wants and he wants is a shoulder injury. And we were talking about this earlier. Doesn't it make you miss kind of having, you know, say like a Lou Brock? Remember yeah. <laughs> when he would go to the camps and he would help those guys with stealing bases and working on that technique of sliding and stuff too? It just makes you miss that. Or, you know, even Ozzy stopping by and working with those guys. I think he just needs to work on that so we don't see that happen because that's the last thing that you want to see with him. Yeah, I, I think there is a mindset that you do feel like you get there a little bit quicker if you go head first, but uh, being able to slide feet first and not get your hands or wrists or shoulders banged up is going to be extremely important. Uh, Montgomery and Flaherty had a little bit of an up and down. Montgomery ha- has a, has had a couple of outings where maybe you're looking at it and saying you, you want to see – some 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 better outings than what you've seen the first couple of times. What are your thoughts about what he's done and about Jack Flaherty so far this spring? It's spring training, right? Mm-hmm. So all that I'm looking for, and I think that hopefully everybody else is too, is just improvement. So in his first spring training outing, it wasn't great. He definitely got roughed up a bit. But in this past outing, he was able to extend it to four. He gave up two runs on three hits and walked one, and he struck out four. And I thought that that was a lot more dominant Mm -hmm. from him. And here's another thing is usually in spring training, too, a lot of these guys, as we as we are talking about, are guys who are coming back from injury. You never know, too, maybe if there's something specifically the Cardinals want them to see or work on on the mound. And so maybe it's not like the most dominant looking outing, but they just want to test some things out. And we don't know if that's going on behind the scenes, too. But at least with Montgomery, it's an improvement. And that's all you can ask for, right? Yeah, you you want guys to be in those stressful moments or stressful situations to see how they respond because there are there's obviously going to be things that 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 come up in games and you have to be able to respond the, the incorrect way. And if you're not able to, uh, you're going to struggle throughout the entire season. So having those moments in spring training where you may come in in, in a situation where you got a couple of runners already on base, or maybe you walked a few guys and you want to see the managers want to see how you respond to that. It's not terrible situational things that are taking place, but it's it's you 
want clean innings if you're the player, but as a manager, you definitely don't mind guys getting in those moments so you can see how they come out of them. And then you had Matthew Libertor come in right after Montgomery, and he looked really good as well, too. And that continues the conversation of where are we going to see him? Is he going to start down in AAA or Memphis, or is he going to start up here, possibly Mm -hmm. the bullpen or another role? I feel like he's working his way more into that conversation of something with the majors. He allowed two runs, one of which was unearned, which, of course, was a throwing error by him. And he has a 1.80 ERA over five innings. And get this, no walks. To me, that's a that's a big positive. And he's aggressive in the zone and really attacking the hitters. That's, in my book, an improvement from him, what you like to see. And then you go to Flaherty, not as dominant. He worked four innings, allowed two runs on five hits. He only struck out two, but he also did not walk a batter. All right. Those are positives for me. Yeah, they, they are. Sunday, you got to see Steven Matz on the mound again. He threw uh, four innings. What was it? Four innings. Let me get to it. I lost it. He threw three, three and two-thirds, had three hits, three walks, five Ks. He's a, he's an exciting uh, pitcher to watch. His speed that he pay, plays with, the pace in which he plays with, the, the the pitch clock is not going to be an issue for him. Uh, but he's he's this version of Steven Matz versus what we had last year, what we saw last year. I think is vastly different, and I'm excited to watch him continue to pitch this season. See what he's able to do because I, I think he has I think he has something there that obviously warranted that that four-year, $44 million contract, and what he's going to bring to the table this season is going to be fun to watch. Well, with him and Flaherty going into the season, too, you're looking at how these guys recovered from injury from last year, right? Mm-hmm. And how they look like on the mound. Are they comfortable in that starting role? And for me, Steven Matz is really checking on the, all those boxes. Now, I know some people say, well, Brooke, you know, I texted this in, and how did you not see? He issued three walks. The biggest thing, though, is that he worked his way yep. out of it. Yep. And he even mentioned that after the game is, look, of course you don't want to have that happen, but at the same time, that's a good situation for me to be in in spring training, knowing that I can get out of that, especially, as you mentioned, with the pitch clock. Involving yep. that as well, yeah. how you deal with that as a pitcher in those situations. If I w- if he's going to issue walks and find a way out of them, I want it to happen in spring training so he gets comfortable with that as the season comes around the corner. Ryan Helsley, uh, Drew Verhagen, and Jordan Hicks all pitched one innings. Uh, one inning yesterday, Drew Verhagen had zero, uh, zero hits, zero walks, zero uh, earned runs given up. Ryan Helsley, three strikeouts, and Jordan Hicks had three strikeouts as well. When you see those two guys performing at that level, that has to give you some level of excitement as also. Oh, it, it really does, especially seeing like Jordan Hicks, I think, hitting like 101 at one point. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. His stuff can be <laughs> so nasty sometimes. And Ryan Helsley, too, He's another player that's coming back from injury. You just want to see him looking good, looking comfortable, positive. My biggest takeaway from this weekend, everybody came out healthy on the pitching side. Because as we also mentioned, Jordan Walker, that's not pitching, but Mm -hmm. that was something different. But still, on the pitching side, all the guys came out looking healthy. I didn't see anything wonky where you're like, oh, is there something going on there injury-wise? To me, everybody was solid Mm -hmm. for the most part. And... They came out healthy. And then you also mentioned there, you know, Drew Verhagen is another name. I mean, he hasn't allowed a hit or run in his outing so far, too. He came back from hip surgery, which hurt him last season, and he looks good as well. And so now that contract doesn't look so bad because remember last season, people were like, what are we doing here with this contract? (laughs) But now it's paying off a lot more. That's Brooke. I'm Kerry. Get your text in to Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO. Take it or leave it is next. 
You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Want to put it out there? If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, set it right back. Get your text in to 314-399-9646. And give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. Welcome back to the Open Drive. Joined by Brooke Grimsley, I'm Kerry Davis, and it is time for Take It or Leave It. And Brooke, this story came up across uh, over the weekend. I thought it was pretty interesting. There's a man from China who spent 14 years in a cave after stealing $24 worth of material and and things from a gas station. Uh, Lu Mofu from China's Hubei province spent 14 (laughs) years hiding in a cave because he was afraid of being arrested. Now... What he had to do, he had to, he he was he was living. He was scavenging food, hunting, survived by scavenging and hunting food. Lived with several stray, several stray dogs in order to protect him from all of the things that could be hunting him in in the in the wild. And so he finally turned himself in after 14 years. He still faces a minimum of three years and a maximum of 10 years in prison for his crime of stealing $24 worth of things uh, from this gas station. Take it or leave it. He just should have turned himself in right away. Yeah, I'm going to take that. I mean, that is the most extreme thing I think I've ever heard. Is it really necessary to do all of that? He missed important events like the death of his father, the wedding of his son. He would visit his family every now and then to get food. uh, But for the most part, he had to stay away. Yeah, he had to stay away to keep himself from uh, from being caught. 14 years in a cave. They Then he finally turned himself in and showed the cave that he'd been living in. Is that really worth it at that point? <laughs> There's no way. And Not also, when you still face uh, the, the threat of going to prison after. I, no. I mean, like, that's that's so leave true. It. I'm going to leave that. That's so bad. Oh. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Take it or leave it. I'm just going to keep this one simple. Mizzou will advance past Utah State. Well, I said they were going to the Sweet 16 a couple of days ago uh, or last week. I, I, I will I will take it, um, but I will also take that that's going to be a pretty tough matchup. I think, it, and that's my that's my whole point with this, is I think it's going to be kind of a sneaky, tough battle. Yeah. That, that, that 7-10 battle is usually uh, it's not an easy one for, for folks to to get through, so I'll take it. They'll make it, but you know, uh, Utah State is ranked higher in the Kempom ratings than Mizzou is. Hmm. They legitimately could be a betting favorite. Really? The 10 seed, yes. There you go. I mean, it's just that's it's not a good matchup for Mizzou. Usually, you talk about the five the five twelve being kind of cursed. Seven ten's pretty bad. Uh, and this year, I pretty think I think all the sevens. Uh, I think multiple sevens are actually outranked on the Kempom ratings by their by the ten matchup. So yeah, that'll be tricky. It'll be fun. Definitely not negative about it or anything. What else you got, Rock? Take it or leave it. We have thir- three current players that could be Red Jacket recipients by the end of their career for the St. Louis Cardinals. Arenado. Well, that's a given. Eh, yeah. Goldschmidt. Okay. And Bueno's still playing, so that's your third. Are those the three that they're referring to? 
Oh. They are probably trying to get a Jordan Walker comment out of us in this one. And oh, maybe, a Mason, maybe a Mason win. Maybe a Mason win. But I'm, t- I'm taking it either way. I'll take it. Yeah, I'm taking that. I'll take it too. I mean, it, to me, I feel like that's like a no-brainer. How many years? How many Goldie years do they have to play bueno. for, with the Cardinals in order to to be the uh, in the Cardinals Hall of Fame? That's a good question. I'm not sure. I think to me, I always thought it was just more about what you accomplished during okay. your time there as a Cardinal player. Take it or leave. The Blues aren't good this year, but they're set up to make a big move on defense and then make it to the second round of the playoffs next year. What, what big move on defense are we referring to? Are they thinking? Are, are they saying adding, subtracting? I'm thinking they're saying in addition of a big a big player on defense. No, which, they're saying which, big move. Is that like to of move a big a move on, de- on the defensive side? Yeah, sure. I, I I'm not sure. You know, a big move. I mean, honestly, if they're going to be that good, a big move on the defensive side would constitute trading away one player and acquiring one player because mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to do it. With with the with the contract you have right now with Krug, Falk, and Prankle and, and and all that mess. So let's just assume there the move they're talking about is trading away a Krug, opening up a spot, and then getting a number one defender instead. Let's say that's what they're talking about. Um, I'm gonna it's hypothetical. Jeez, I'm gonna leave it. Work. And they said second round of the playoffs. Second round of the next playoffs. year, bro. I'm gonna take it. You're gonna take they it. They did not yeah. stutter. They got a 30 goal scorer right now. He's gonna score 40 next year. And they're gonna. He, he's gonna have a. You're gonna have a lot of talent, scoring wise, offensively. Jordan Bennington has been playing outstanding. If they're able to get that defenseman, or defensemen, a couple of them, uh, I think I, I think you will be looking at a at a roster that didn't take as long to turn over as most people may have thought it would have. You see, I wish I want to know if that person's thinking or their line of thinking is that you're going to move Colm Pareko. I don't think they're going to move Colm Pareko anymore. I think that that ship has sailed. Or they're talking about moving Tory Krug, which I think could be more of a possibility this offseason. Possibly. Just possibly. Take it or leave it. The Battlehawks set another attendance record this next weekend. Oh, take it. You're going to have over 40,000. 100% take it. You're going to... You're gonna, what, 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 Brooke is about to explode. What do you have? What? <laughs> <laughs> if, I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, there I'm pretty sure City SC plays too this weekend, and that, that is a, that is a potential. What issue. time? Uh, it's a 6 p.m. kickoff for the BattleHawks and a 7:30 p.m. kickoff for the uh, STL City SC dogs. So City seats 20-25? Okay, so you have 20, 23,000 people there. Twenty-two thousand people there. How many people are in the city of St. Louis? <laughs> Oh, do you want the metropolitan area yeah, or sure. the actual city of St. Louis? No, no, it's all of it. 300K in the city, 3 million in the metropolitan yeah, so, area. So like more than point, enough. I think it might be 2.7 now or something like that. More than enough people to to show up to a Battle Hawks and a city game. So here's the thing. If you can't get into the city game, if you're, you can't get into the city game, you, you Battle Hawks are... Right there, you know. Yeah, it's a, city city tickets hard to get right now. There you so, go. You know, you're, you're watching football one way or another. Football or football. You see, I felt like this weekend timed out perfectly with the Battle Hawks and Blues game yeah. because I saw a lot of people making the exact same trip that I did, going yeah. from the Battle Hawks game <laughs> to the Blues, all the way over to Enterprise <laughs> can, Center. Can we talk about just how, how I'm 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 so damn proud of this city. Yeah. People stayed up till midnight to watch the soccer team. Woke up at 10 a.m. to drive to the dome and tailgate, which is something that has literally been able to be something that we've been able to do in St. Louis one time in the last seven years. And they they said, yeah, we've only been able to do it one time in the last seven years. We're going to immediately do it again. So they woke up at, 
immediately after a, a late soccer game to go tailgate for the XFL, and then immediately people walked from the XFL game to the Blues game to watch a team that isn't going to be in the playoffs this year. So, I, I, so I'm you so would, proud of St. You Louis. would say St. Louis is a is a sports town. Uh, I I think you could say not, St. Louis not, is not a baseball, town? not hockey. It's a sports town, right? Carrie, I never would have said anything uh, differently. Okay. Just making sure. Some people don't think so. <laughs> the hell do they know? <laughs> Stan Kroenke. <laughs> um. uh, and also, just all the Kroenke sucks, Chance. You guys you guys out there are just beautiful. Take it or leave it. The Cardinals should package Jepez, Burleson, and other prospects and get a starting pitcher. I think that they'll wait a bit to do that. Right now? <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't... Well, you know, to be fair, they didn't put a timetable, so maybe that's just me jumping the gun a little bit. Is that a possibility? I would not rule that out, especially if there's something that comes up down the line, say an injury, or you just have, you do have a lot of depth to move things around. So I could take it. I could see that happening eventually. Take it or leave it. We all talked about a Bobby Bonilla-like injury for to help Jordan Walker play. We weren't talking about an actual Bobby Bonilla injury to Jordan Walker. <laughs> take it. Take it. I saw that pop up and I was like, no. We we put in the this, other this way. Is what, this is what we get for putting injury out in the universe. Yeah. We all got a little. We all got a little karma coming right towards our faces. As, 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 if you're a Cardinal fan over the weekend, that, that's that's what that was. Sorry, people, deal with it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, we go. More? Take it or leave it. You guys left out one of the biggest stories of the weekend, and that's the St. Louis. And that's the St. Louis women's basketball team uh. making their first run in in the women's bracket, and they did. And congratulations to them. We talked about it last week. It's their first ever run when they made their run through the A-10 tournament. And now they're going to be playing in the women's brackets. Congratulations. Congratulations. St. Yes. Louis, again, under their first year head coach. Been actually been an absolutely incredible story. I'm going awesome. to take, take it that we definitely forgot we about that and we're kicking ourselves for it because they deserve all the hype. That's amazing. First year head coach, too, the way that she's built that program already for that. And then I also saw that Chris May, their athletic director, gifted them some new Nike kicks. So oh, that was nice, too. That's a nice little gift nice. to have going into the tournament. So they are a 13 seed. They will face off against number four seed, Tennessee Volunteers. That'll be a Saturday game. So you got a Thursday game with the uh, Tigers and the Fighting Illini. No NIT for the Billikens. We still got a Saturday game for a Billikens team in the women's NCAA tournament. Thank you, Rob. Thank you. I think Randy, excuse me. Thank you. Randy, I'm, I'm locked that in. means I'm doing I'm well, a, or I'm you're a, just a, I'm a cre- <laughs> I'm creature. A, I'm an absolute creature of habit, Carrie. You know that you change the little things on me, and I do not do very well. Indeed. Brendan Donovan has been playing leadoff. Has his has he been doing enough to secure his spot on starting role or on this roster? Well, obviously on the roster, but in the starting role. We'll talk about that next on the opening drive. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the opening drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. Reward yourself. Earn 2% back on every purchase with the Schnucks Rewards app. Welcome back to the opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley. Randy Carricker is out on jury duty. And, Brooke, we were talking about the second base position and, and really trying to figure out who is going to be there. Is it Nolan Gorman? Is it Brendan Donovan? Has Brendan Donovan played – has his play been good enough to earn him not only that second base position, that, that spot, but also a leadoff spot in this lineup? Is he going to be your leadoff hitter and the guy that's kind of the catalyst to get things set and setting the table for those big boys that come up after him? Well, and look, Brendan Donovan, 
Donovan has been great this spring training. He already has four home runs. That was something really important that he worked on this offseason. And usually when you hear like a player is working on his swing, when he did well last season, you're like, why Why are you doing anything with your swing right now? It's yeah. great. But it was important for him to add more power to his bat. And you're seeing that payoff in spring training. He's definitely asserted himself a little bit more in that conversation because at leadoff last year, Tommy Edmond wasn't exactly great at times. And mm-hmm. that's nothing to take away from Tommy Edmond and all the effort that he puts in throughout the season. But there's still a competition ongoing. And I don't think that it's going to be anything set in stone to all these guys get back. Even all of my mall telling reporters like, look, we got to get all these guys back in and we'll see who just takes that job, mm-hmm. who takes that leadoff spot. Because you have Brendan Donovan there doing really well. And over in Japan, guess who's hitting leadoff there? <laughs> that was going to be my question. Lars Newport. Yes. <laughs> Is he a guy that you look at that could potentially be uh, a starting right fielder as well as the leadoff hitter for this Cardinals team going into 2023 season? Yes, yes, <laughs> and, and yes. yes. <laughs> Lars Newbar to me has um, been really impressive. And, you know, the thing is, is this is a huge performance from him for many different reasons. One, seeing how he has really just added this spark because that's what he did for the Cardinals last year, mm-hmm. right? He added that spark that they needed and he's doing the same thing for Team Japan on quite literally the world's biggest stage and he's done really well. I mean, he's he's done really well for Japan and I to me, that that right field is his spot. Right. That's where he needs to be. And I think if he continues to come back and compete against Brendan Donovan, then he competes for that leadoff spot, too. Our good friend Brad Thompson was on the fast lane this past week and had some thoughts on the outfield competition, saying he thinks it's a good thing. This is a good problem to have. If Newt is on the outside looking in and he's the fourth outfielder on opening day, that's a good thing. That means your ball club is even better. That means Tyler O'Neill did what you expected him to do. That means Jordan Walker made this freaking team and you have a young superstar on your hands. So everything, it's good to have depth and high quality depth. And if you're Ollie Marmel and you're this staff, wouldn't it be nice to be able to turn to Newt at any time? BT also had some thoughts on Newt's strong play so far in the World Baseball Classic. And I truly believe, and I think this can be said in in every sport, you've got to have some guys like that, that just have that contagious energy. That's something that Harrison Bader had for the Cardinals when when they traded him away for Montgomery. You wondered, where was that going to come from? The obvious answer is Newt. So his teammates are pumped up for him. Like, they're all sharing the videos and and enjoying watching him. And it's been incredible. The guy is, is going to come back after this World Baseball Classic and be an international star. It's going to be nuts. Newt seems like one of those guys that brings it every day, brings the energy uh, that you need in the clubhouse. You always have, on each team, no matter the sport, you have one of those guys that just, you know, wakes up and is excited. I was never that guy. I was never really a morning person, not a guy that's jumping off the the, the walls early in the morning. But Newt seems to have that that presence about him, and and it seems contagious. You see what he's doing with Team Japan and and getting (laughs) Shohei Otani need to do the pepper grinder like that's something that a lot of people don't have and Newt seems to have that and it's going to be uh I think that's what he brings to this ball club and it's, it's exciting to have him here well through it through four games for Team Japan and they're undefeated obviously Lars Newbar is six for 
14 with four walks, and he's reached base 11 times. And as you mentioned there, you also factor in that energy. So I see what BT is saying there about the fact that, hey, you can turn to that guy, and no matter what, he's always on, right? You know that player, that guy who is just always on, ready to go, ready to bring that energy. I see that, and I get what he's saying. I also say that you can look at Brendan Donovan in the same way. Brendan Donovan proved that last season as a guy that you could stick him anywhere fantastic utility player you can count on him really at any time and he's going to step up and bring that energy bring that you know compete level into the game and make your guys even better and so i feel like that's kind of that fun competition you're seeing right now there's so many different competitions going on for many different positions many different spots and to me it sounds like based off of ollie marmal's comments they're watching everything that's happening with all the players in the World Baseball Classic, and they know once they get back, what is it going to look like when you come back here and we all start to play together as a team? Who is going to take over which spots? Indeed. That's Brooke. I'm Kerry. Coming up, we go to the Blues booth and jo- talk to our friend Chris Kerber. Jordan Cairo scored his 30th goal last night and had a hat trick over the weekend. We'll talk to him about what he's seen from his play and what can we expect going forward. That's next on the opening drive. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at BoardwalkHardwood.com. To the opening drive. I'm Brooke Grimsley alongside Carrie Davis and Randy Carricker is out doing a service with some jury duty stuff. And we now welcome in from the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, Chris Kerber. Kerbs, a great weekend for the Blues. I know that you have that tough loss yesterday against the Las Vegas Golden Knights, but still, it looked like the guys were competing and battling for each other. I think the cloud. I think the cloud cleared, Brooke, uh, of, of after the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. You know that, that that's such a tough moment in sports. And you, I, I got, wait, I got a great little nugget to tell you. I saw I saw Tom, Tom Stillman yesterday after the game, Brooke, as I was walking over with you uh, to do the uh, Blues Weekly hit with you, and, and we were talking a little bit, and we were just talking about how the team looked better over the last couple of days, and the, the cloud clearing, and just how tough. That is personally because you think of you think of players like Braden Shen, Brandon Sod, veteran guys, even the young guys that maybe they have, have never gone through this. And you see Ryan O'Reilly, Vladimir Tarasenko, Nola Chari, and Nico Mikola, you know, all, all traded away. Ivan Barbashev, all traded away. These are guys you're used to seeing on the bus. They're sitting next to you on the plane. Maybe you sit with them. It became your routine to sit with them every game day in the mailroom. Those kind of things. And now they're gone. And and it's just different. Or maybe you're a player like Colton Pareko. Uh, where, you know, or even Tory Krug or some of these others where you hear your knee getting kicked around and you do your best to ignore it, it's just really hard. And I was talking to Tom about this, and this also just speaks volume to the leadership and the ownership group that this organization has. But he says, listen, he goes, it was hard on me at a personal level because these guys have meant so much to our organization and brought so much to us and brought us our first championship. He goes, it was extremely difficult for me on a personal level. 
imagine just how much harder it had to be on the players knowing what was going on. So I, I think there's there's such a real aspect of that, and Kerry could probably speak to it better than either you or I can, having been in rooms and things like that. But um, I think the cloud cleared, and, and the last couple of games uh, looked better as a result of it. Jordan Cairo, obviously, too, with a big weekend, putting up five points, including his second hat trick of the season and then a goal yesterday. What do you think has caused that? What has really picked out from him? Is it the way that they shipped around the lines? Or what did you see from Cairo this weekend that really stood out from you? For you? Well, nothing more than really what we've seen all year. And he had a bit of a slow start offensively. You know, and I'm sure, you know, the breaking news of, of a new contract kicked in and, and, and that kind of thing played a part in it. But, wow, what a terrific offensive hockey player the St. Louis Blues have here. And I loved Craig Ruby's comments last night where he says he doesn't think he's even come close to what the ceiling is. Now, what is that ceiling? I have no idea. But you look at the skill, and he just set a career high in goals now with 30, and there's still 16 games to go. He could get to back-to-back seasons of 70 or more points. Uh, he really tore it up, could get to 80, but let's let's keep it within somewhat decent focus. And, uh, you know, and, and back-to-back 70-point seasons is not an easy thing to do. Tarasenko did it, O'Reilly did it. We haven't had a lot of guys. And we may get three players this year that did it, that do it with, with Thomas Butchnevich and, and Kairou. So, you know, you look at the fact that both those young guys at the age of 24 and 23 – are really still in the middle of a contract at the end of a contract that's paying them what two point seven million. You know their their big contracts don't kick in till next year, so those two guys have really outperformed those contracts in a big way. Um, and it's pretty exciting. Now, Craig Berube also said yesterday when it came to Kyrie, one, one of the there's a lot more to his game that will that will need to grow, and it's just a matter of getting there, working through it, understanding. When he continues to understand the time and space he's going to have with his speed and the ability to make plays at a high speed, and that continues to to be part of the experience that he puts in the bank, he's going to become that much better of a hockey player. When he realizes that he can go into the corner and isn't going to get slaughtered all the time and and can make plays and therefore starts to win more puck battles, well, then then the game's going to find an even another level. And it's not inconceivable that this young man could become a 100-point player. Hey, Curves, you talked about Jordan Cairo's ceiling. There's another player that I see on the ice, uh, a, a large human being. I think he's a young guy. I want to know what his ceiling is, and that's Alexei Torovchenko. Man, we have no idea, but Joe and I were talking about that last night. He's a fun young man. He's such an, a joy. Uh, he's got uh, an infectious smile, loves to play. I, I thought the last two games, now I know Craig made the change uh, in the second period when the team was down a little bit, but that was more to get some more offense on the top line as he shortened his bench to get his team back into it. But that game in Columbus, they just said, okay, your job's to go to the front of the net, and he did, and it looked a little old school. It looked a little bit like Keith Kachuk just going to the front of the net and saying, somebody try to move me. Hmm. Um, but but you're right. Maybe we don't give enough focus uh, to him as we have to the other guys. Now, I don't think he has the offensive upside you know, that, that you see in, in Cairo and Thomas. I, I wouldn't expect a Tage Thompson explosion out of him, you know, out of, out of nowhere. But there is growth in his game where you may not be looking at just a fourth-line player. You could be looking at a guy that's in the third line that can shift up to a – maybe able to shift up to a second-line situation like we've seen uh, from, 
from Oscar Sundquist when he was here and the opportunities that Craig Berube gave him, those kind of things. So um, he's got to be one of the young guys that is still talked about. The other thing he can do is he can hit, and he can hit hard. And so as, as they try to get maybe more of that physical personality and physical characteristic back into the game that I think has left the Blues game for the last couple of seasons, I think he'll play a big role in that. Well, and you mentioned there earlier that dark cloud kind of looming over the players of the trade deadline, and now that has passed. Do you think that that's what's going on with Colton Pareko and his kind of strong stretch of play here that we've seen recently? Brooke, I talked to the coaches. I've talked to I've talked to coaches with other teams. I've talked to players with other teams. I mean, I spent I spent a good amount of time with Al McKinnis in Columbus. I, I think the fans are being overly critical of Colton Pareko, and and I think they really need to take a step back. I, I really do. I don't know. I think this snowball's got has started to roll down the hill so fast, uh, and and it doesn't seem to want to stop. And look, I don't think there's a defenseman on this team that's had a good season, to be honest with you. And and the reality of it is, it's because the overall team commitment, the structure and defense in the defensive zone isn't very good. Go back to that Clayton Keller goal, you know, scored in Arizona. And we had three forwards that were basically escorting Keller like he was the bomber and these guys were the, the fighters trying to fend off the opposition. I mean, really. I mean, if, if, if there was a goal that epitomized what's gone wrong with the blue season in the defensive zone, that was it. Nobody took the body. No, none of these three forwards skated back, actually, to try and take a stick. I mean, and, and Nick Letty, who went to play the puck carry, looks back and goes, what the heck? I thought that guy was covered. Oh, he was covered, but he was more escorted than covered. Yeah. And and I say that somewhat tongue-in-cheek, but, I mean, I just – I talk to other people, and, and they're like, look, I think Cole Pareko, yeah, he, he's had a tough year as a whole like everyone on this team has had, but they, they're not talking just the last three games. They're saying, look, the last few weeks to a month, he's been really solid, really good. They're doing – and there's only so much one guy can do. You know, and I'm not saying that that he's not going to tell you there hasn't been room for improvement and that kind of thing. But here, here's the comment that when I was talking to Al about him was made. This is this is something people need to realize. The moment you move a guy like that, the moment you move a six foot six defenseman that can skate, that can break up plays, that yes, you'd like to see be a little more physical, but that can keep up with the best players in the league on a regular basis. The moment you move him is the moment you start going. Gee, we got to go find a guy like that, hmm. you know. And and that's the situation that they have here. And the the other aspect of it too. And this is this is not just a Colton situation, but really several. You know, I I probably say a good handful, six seven players on this, including some forwards. You look at this season, you're like, okay, guys are going to have bad seasons. It's going to happen. Even superstars have had bad seasons. You know, you you, you want to be very careful not to overjudge those bad seasons. Uh, when you have a player that has as much ability as some of these guys have. Hey, Curtis, last question for me. Uh, Jakob Brown got his second goal as a Blue. Can we get excited about the potential that this young man has and, and what he can bring to this offense and to this Blues team? I wouldn't. Oh. No? <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Listen, no. Well, what I mean by that is he's got a lot to prove. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think to himself – you know, and uh, most importantly, uh, and and the reason I say I wouldn't get excited is look, it's o- it's only been a couple of games, and so I I, I wouldn't overhype anything, you know, that, that that you see in this situation. There's a couple of reasons. One, 
there's really no pressure on this team because uh, you're, you're out of it. So you're going to play a little bit loosely. They can become a dangerous team to play because of that. Uh, two, he, he's being put finally back in some situations in a top six role that he hasn't been in in a while. And he's going to get a lot of playing time from it. And three, you know, his, his own his own health issues that he's talked about is, is a factor that you want to give him the room to continue to be comfortable, grow, and and, and, and play through whatever he had been playing through. So I think that the, the stage of the final 20 games of this regular season of him with the Blues is a real important one. And the most important part for Verona is, is not to get overly excited about what you see. He's got some speed. He's got some skill. There's a reason he was a 12th overall pick of the Washington Capitals. There's a reason they were playing him with T.J. Oshie. There's a reason he helped the team win a Stanley Cup and play 23 games that year that they won the Cup. But he's got to get himself back on track, and I think the most important thing for him is for the, to take these 20 games, finish well, have some good confidence that leads into a good offseason. Next year, we'll see what he can do when you start clean and, and, and you hope for a good you know run for the entire team. But So I, I didn't mean for that to sound too harsh. I'm just <laughs> saying I wouldn't overhype too much right now because the scenarios are so different than, say, a team that's battling for a playoff spot or a top spot in the league. The Blues take on the Minnesota Wild at home on Wednesday. Puck drops at 8.30. Pre-game is at 7.30. Curves will be listening, and we look forward to talking to you again next week. All right, you guys. Have an awesome week. Thanks, brother. You too. Coming up next, we have the fight, but we also need a fighter because I took care of business last week. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight! In the red corner, average Joe Listener! And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of Morning Drive! Please welcome Randy Carricker! Drive. I'm Brooke Grimsley alongside Carrie Davis. Randy is working on jury duty and hopefully he will be coming back here soon. But for now, it is still Carrie Davis who is battling against everyone. And he had a fantastic week last week. Let's see if he can carry that into this week. And we welcome in his fighter. Your name is Scuba, right? My name is Scuba, yes. Oh, okay, I think we need to address the elephant in the room, which is, why is your name Scuba? Is that your it's actual name? It's because he drives a Benz. It's because he drives a Benz. I was given that nickname uh, 53 years ago by my friends. But, uh, yeah, I, I love scuba diving on TV and in the movies, and that's what happened. <laughs> wow. Okay, interesting. But, I like that. Yeah. I, I can't say I can't say that I've like had a nickname that has stuck around with me for that long. I mean, people call me like Brookie, Grim Reaper. You call me I Grim want, Reaper. I want Grim Reaper to, yeah. to stay forever. That, I, that's the nickname. I like that, but it I does did. sound very ominous. It should. I just, I, just, I just want all those scuba Steves out there to know that I'm the OG of the scuba. Uh, so. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you said 50 plus years ago, so I think you win that one. <laughs> well, we'll see how you do today against in the fight. We'll go ahead and get started here with question number one, Scuba, okay? Which okay. major league baseball player holds the record for career Grand Slam hits? Is it Babe Ruth, oh. Frank Thomas, or Alex Rodriguez? Um, I'm going to have to go with Frank Thomas. Frank Thomas. 
All right, and on this day in 1960, the Cardinals NFL franchise moved to St. Louis from which city? Was that Chicago, Cleveland, or Pittsburgh? Chicago. Who is the only pitcher in Cardinals history to tally multiple no-hitters? Is it Bob Gibson, Dizzy Dean, or Bob Forsh? Can you repeat that question? Yeah. Who is the only pitcher in Cardinals history to tally multiple no-hitters? Bob Gibson, Dizzy Dean, or Bob Forsh? Um, I think I'm going to go with Dizzy Dean. <clears throat> All right. And who is the ALNL leader in career strikeouts among Mexican-born pitchers? Obviously, props to Mexico for their win over the U.S. in the WBC. You, uh, ALNL career leader in strikeouts among Mexican-born pitchers is that Joaquin Soria, Teddy Higuera, or Fernando Valenzuela? Boy, I'm going to have to go with Fernando just because I don't, I don't remember hearing those other names. <laughs> All right, we will double-check the score. And we'll bring in Carrie Davis. All right, Scuba, how are you feeling? Um, you know, not great. I would just have to say that. Doesn't it yeah. seem like it's like easier listening to it, and then you get on, and you're like, wait a minute, this is somehow a little bit tougher than I was expecting. Absolutely, I, I know I got one right. Um, three, three guesses. <laughs> All right, now we welcome back in Carrie Davis into the room. Carrie, we have Scuba, Scuba here today. Scuba, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Carrie. How are you? I am doing wonderful. I, I wonder, are these questions for uh, Rock or for Randy, or were they for for for? They, they might have been for Ooh. Randy. Okay. Well, good luck, Scuba. Good yeah, luck, Carrie. Randy. okay Uh, because we have got we did get some messages where people were like oh you guys are taking it easy on him all that kind of stuff so we're we're switching it up on you a little bit so we need to know football question in there (laughs) well there you go there's There's at least one one. all right so question for you do you want the options or not how are Uh, we we approaching the same uh, as last week it is a new fresh week i'll give you the chance to 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 (laughs) to recoup your your foolishness or, or double down i can't go back to oh he's gonna double down i can't oh, go carry. back can carry. i carry no you can't that wouldn't be no. that wouldn't be fair all, all right, right brooke that's no options you heard it he gets one, one question one, he gets one question with the right, options we'll see how it goes if it's 1963 rock oh it's all bad oh <laughs> okay we'll go ahead and get started it is carrie versus scuba all right question number one what what major league baseball player holds the record for career grand slams hit Oh, career Grand Slams hit. You have to have played for a long time, I would assume. You have to be a guy that hit a lot of home runs. So maybe you would say a Hank Aaron, a Babe Ruth comes to mind. Maybe you got Barry Bonds, but I think I would. It's got to be somebody that I didn't watch play, clearly. I think I would know that. Um, oh, and it's probably not any of them. Johnny Bench or someone like that. <laughs> this is terrible. Uh, let's go, Hank Aaron. All right, Kerry, on this day in 1960, the Cardinals NFL <laughs> franchise moved to St. Louis from which city? Oh, NFL franchise? In 1960, the Cardinals NFL franchise moved to St. Louis from which city? 
Were they the Chicago Cardinals? That's why I'm asking the question, right? That's why I'm asking the question, Carrie. Yeah, well, I'm thinking out loud, Rock. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go, Chicago. Who is the only pitcher in Cardinals history to tally multiple no hitters? Oh. Uh, uh. <laughs> These are definitely Randy questions. Can I have the options, please? <laughs> no. Okay, fine. Uh, Bob Gibson, Dizzy <sighs> Dean, or Bob Forsh? I feel like it's Bob Forsh. I feel like I, 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 I feel like that's correct. All right, Craig. Congratulations to Team Mexico for their big win in the WBC <laughs> over the United States. Who is the ALNL leader in career strikeouts among Mexican-born pitchers? Oh my God! What are we doing here? <laughs> Did you, you can tell these were definitely. Uh, uh, <laughs> I have no clue. We gave you the chance to take you, all the you, options. We you gave did. you the chance to get multiple choice the whole time. Oh, I couldn't even tell you. Jeez, oh, Louise, right. this is not going to be good. Uh, nah, let's go, K Rod. I don't know. Well, Carrie, I'm impressed that you just got to this point. It's a tie. It is a 2-2 tie between Carrie and Scuba. Somehow Carrie's able to slip past this one. So here's the, here's how we're going to do this one. It's going to be the same way we do the tie the tiebreakers with Randy Carriker. I'm going to say the question. We are then going to give Carrie Davis a moment to write down his answer. Then Scuba will give his answer audibly. We will Scuba will say his answer. We will read off what Carrie Davis has written down for his answer, and then whoever is closest to the pin wins this edition of the fight, and we got quite the doozy of a tiebreaker here. Scuba, <laughs> do you understand those rules? I understand, yes. All right, so, Carrie, do you have a piece of paper ready to write down uh, your answer? Yeah, I do. Closest to the pin, are you right. ready? How many single stitches are there in a regulation MLB baseball? Uh. How many single stitches are there... On a regulation MLB baseball. Kerry okay. Davis is writing down his answer. How many single stitches are there? And Kerry Davis has written down his answer. Scuba, what is your guess? How many single stitches are there on a regulation MLB baseball? Um, I'm going to go with 550. All right, Kerry Davis. Scooby guessed 550. What did you guess? 160. That is a big difference in your guess. <laughs> who is going to be closest to the pin today? Is it Scuba, who will then take a round two to face off against Megamind Randy Carriker on Tuesday? Or did Carrie Davis somehow slip by with no options but one in this baseball heavy edition of the fight? Ring that bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carriker. Go! Just win, baby. I'm sorry, Scuba. He got you on the tiebreaker. There are 216 single stitches on an MLB baseball. That means there are 108 double stitches. And I'm sorry, Scuba. He got you on that one. So a 2-2 a, a tie and a tiebreaker win for Kerry Davis. Let's go through those answers. Alex Rodriguez, a player Kerry, did watch with his own two ah, eyes. Holds the record for career Grand Slams with 25. Scuba uh, answered big hurt on that one. On this day, 
1960, the Cardinals NFL franchise moved to St. Louis from Chicago. Who is the only pitcher in Cardinals history to tally multiple nose hitters? It's Bob Forsch, the only pitcher in Cardinals history with two. And obviously, it's been a long time since any of us have gotten to see a Cardinals no hitter. I, in fact, have never gotten to watch one because I wasn't really watching a lot of Cardinals games uh, when Bud Smith threw his. And the ALNL leader in career strikeouts among Mexican born pitchers. If you know where he's from, it's just about the only answer you can think of. Fernando Valenzuela is the answer with 2,700 strikeouts. Teddy Higuera also pretty high on the list. Sorry about that, Kerry, but I waited for (laughs) Kerry thanks to the tiebreaker again. 216 single stitches on a baseball. Scuba, thank you so much for joining the show and joining the fight today. Okay, guys, thanks. Great show. Good job, Scuba. Scuba. All right. All right, thank that, you so much. That's one of those ones where if you if you're like scuba and you get the options and you hear the name I Fernando I Valenzuela, I you go oh 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 okay. Yeah. But if yeah. you don't know that one and you don't get the options, it goes from a level like two or three difficulty question to an immediate level ten. Yeah, but I wouldn't have gotten the third question without the options though. So yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. That's, and that's that's the tricky part. All right, that was the fight. Coming up next, we're going to have our thoughts on March Madness. We have Mizzou, Illinois, SEMO, and much more. That's next on The Opening Drive. You're back to The Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley. And Brooke, we have a few local programs that have made their way into the NCAA tournament. Going to have some some games this upcoming week, and looking forward to seeing the Mizzou Tigers, Illinois, and Semo uh, have their opportunity to see if they can make a run in this tournament. Uh, let's start with Missouri first. They took a loss to Alabama in the SEC finals. Uh, they are a seventh seed in the South bracket, facing off against Utah State. And as uh, Rock mentioned earlier, Utah State is rated higher in the Ken Palm, Ken Palm than, than Mizzou is. They play 1230 on, 1240 on Thursday. Uh, what are you looking for from this Mizzou team? I thought it was interesting that that was the matchup. And I think that was like the biggest thing that I noticed that Mizzou fans were kind of sounding off on, on social media as well. Is It doesn't seem like it's exactly the best matchup compared to their chances of possibly moving on. Because you don't know what you're going to expect from Utah State. And that's going to be a really, really tough battle for them. Say that they do move on, it doesn't get any easier from the from there also for them too. Yeah, yeah I, I do like I do like Mizzou though. I said this earlier. You know, Mizzou playing they, them being the seventh seed going against Utah. Uh, I had them pick to be a a Sweet Sixteen uh, type of run for them. If they were to beat Utah State, they would have Arizona, <laughs> the number two seed in the South bracket, uh, to make it to the to the Sweet Sixteen. I think that might be a little bit tough. But the thing about Mizzou is the style of play in which they they have. They are a shock to any team system that they're going against because most teams cannot prepare. Uh, in in a in a day or two for this type of play, they're going to run gun. They're going to shoot the ball. Now the the issue with Mizzou is if they're not hitting their shots, it's going to be a long day for them. But when they're hitting their shots, I honestly think they can play with any team in the country. Yeah, and you've seen it. You've seen it in spurts, right? Throughout this season, there's yeah. been there's been a lot of times that they have been just. I mean, extremely dominant. It seems like, especially if they get off to a hot start, then they just keep rolling from there. I think I think that it's going to be one if certain players step up. I mean, I'll be interested to see if Isaiah Mosley will be a part of this. I don't know if they've said that or not, 
if he'll be a part of the team um, or traveling with them. And then Kobe Brown as well. But, I mean, Demoy Hodge and Noah Carter are two players that I look to that when they perform really well, then so does the rest of the team. And that's when their most dominant wins, it feels like it's when those two guys are really going off. Yeah, I mean, we got the, the big you know, we got the big shots from Nick Honor and Golston throughout the season, but really, Demoy Hodge, I think, is the most underrated player on this Missouri Tigers roster because you have the big name in Kobe Brown. Demoy Hodge uh, set a new Tigers record with steals. Um, I think he led the SEC in steals, and he wasn't on the SEC All Defensive Team. So I think Demoy Hodge is overall one of the most underrated players in the conference, and he really is kind of after Kobe. What Demoy does kind of dictates what the Tigers are going to do. Both is he causing havoc defensively? Is he getting the big steals? And is he and is he and the other guys? You know, are those pull up jumpers they love so much? Those back breaking plays that really turn the game? Are they falling for the Tigers? Yeah, like I said, if they are hitting their shots, the Tigers are a tough team for any team to match up with. And and I, I truly believe that it's it's a when you have a one day turnaround to play that that where they play Thursday and then Saturday. Yeah. That Saturday game, if they were to play against Arkansas, it's going to be a tough matchup because, like I said, you don't have – we don't have a few days to prepare. Now, you make it to the Sweet 16 and you get an entire week to prepare for that game. I think that's a little bit easier for, for teams that are uh, that they're facing that haven't seen them. But don't be shocked if Arizona – if they do beat Utah State and they do play Arizona, don't be shocked if they give Arizona one of the best games that they played this season and potentially come out with a win because it is hard to prepare for that style of play. And we can't forget, we've talked a lot about the Missouri defense because it's hectic and how it can be successful there. But again, if, if teams simply are playing good basketball and not turning the ball over, Mizzou gets you know 80 plastered on them by a good team pretty quickly. And so there, there's that other factor. Yeah. You, can contr- you can't control whether or not shots are falling. They can control whether or not they're, they're giving 100% on defense, but if a team is just simply outplaying you, moving the ball and not turning it over, it starts to get ugly from Zoo, even if the shots are falling for the most part. I mean, they get, they got to have one of those crazy like 70% games from three if they're not forcing those turnovers. I think also, too, something that will hopefully benefit them is they've definitely been stress test a lot this mm-hmm. season. I mean, a lot, especially if you watch the games as a Mizzou fan. You've been stress <laughs> you've tested been stress as well. Tested as so well. <laughs> I, they've been battle tested, stress tested. So maybe that is something that can benefit them because that's a lot of what you need to in the NCAA tournament, especially in those really close games, is who is just relaxed going into those final seconds that can hold on to win. Indeed. The Illini take on the Arkansas Razorbacks in a 9-8 matchup. First round versus in the West region Thursday at 3.30 with a potential to match up against KU if the Illini were to win. Uh, Rock, we talked about this earlier. The Illini are a team, obviously I'm I'm – for you know, for for what reasons, I am steadfast that the Illini have an opportunity to win this game. But they are a team that has played some really good teams very well, very tightly. They played Purdue a couple of weeks ago or last week uh, to a five point loss at Purdue. But that's a team. The Illini are a team that has struggled at times, but. When they do play well, when all the things come together, they're making their free throws, they're making their shots, and they're rebounding and playing sound defense, they are a team that's going to be a tough out as well in the tournament. It's kind of like Memphis beating up Houston. The the fact that Illinois was able to stay close to Purdue is kind of like a huge feather in their cap because Purdue's a monster of yeah. a team. I mean, they, they might be my favorite right now in the tournament. Illinois... If they get that first win against Arkansas, I, I, I'm loving that as a Mizzou fan. And then they play against KU. I mean, Kerry, me and you, this is going to be a big month for me and you coming together <laughs> as, as both as fans for the Fighting Illini. Come on. Yeah. I mean, Arkansas and then and then Kansas? Yeah. 
Whew, take I tell them you what, down. There's there's not too many fan bases that are, that that get in my mentions as much as those two. So yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm you know I'm, I'm a fighting Illini fan. I right have now. Mizzou fans across the country. Yeah, yeah right now, the Illini right now. Well, so this is my this is 100%. what I'm. This will probably be one of my favorite matchups coming up with Arkansas and Illinois. My question is, do you think it's going to come down to coaching? Which guy is going to out coach the other? Because I don't know if you guys have seen. Eric Musselman a lot this season. He is fiery. Obviously, we know his past. He's just like a stud coach. I mean, former NBA head coach. It seems like it could almost come down to who is going to outcoach the other. Well, if you're taking one or another in a street fight, I'm taking Brad Underwood every day of the week. <laughs> yeah, Brad Underwood is. is He's the also epitome. fiery. Oh yeah, he is, he is a guy that that really gets into his players and and you know when they are are playing well, they they respond in a in a fashion that is his style of play. Generally, your team Teams are, are an example of what the head coach is. They're a reflection of what the head coach is. And when the Illini are playing their best basketball, it's intense, it's hard-nosed, it's getting after the ball, it's getting getting rebounds, getting on the glass, you know, and playing sound defense and knocking down shots. That's who this team is when they're winning games. When they're not, you know, they, they, they are struggling and look disjointed on the offensive end, not getting uh, good looks or good shots on the basket. So hopefully this team can can go out against Arkansas this Thursday and have an opportunity to play at the level and the pace that uh, Brad Underwood wants them to play at. If they do, they have an opportunity to win. Exactly. And let's go SEMO tomorrow. SEMO tomorrow versus uh, Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Don't have much information on the Texas court. What's their Islanders? Is that their nickname? Don't have much information <laughs> on them. Carrie oh! uh, <laughs> Davis, ladies and gentlemen. Don't have much information, but that would be a sweet uh, a sixteen uh, play-in game for those two. And the 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 benefit of winning that game is they get what rock. Who do they get if they, they win the game? Alabama. Alabama, the number one seed. Brandon Miller had a bad game in the SEC championship game. Did they win? Listen, it was listen. He he had, he had, a, he had a bad game in the SEC championship. Let me get let me get my shots off on, on, on Alabama hey, whoa, right now. Whoa, whoa, whoa. slow I, down there, right? I swear to God. Oh, I didn't even mean to do that. I, yeah, that was one hundred percent accidental. What? Although it changes how you watch an Alabama game, and it changes how you call it. I would think every time I was watching, I was watching two different Alabama games, including the one against Mizzou. And every time they would talk about it, I would just be like, "How careful do you got to be with your words?" I think right you. Now? I think you probably have to be I, not intentionally. Not. It's not like you would be doing it intentionally. I, I, right but there, but you, like you, right you, when you, I just yeah, did. You want to make sure that you're saying the right things uh, when he's playing the game, obviously, because we know the the serious situation that took place with Brandon Miller and the Alabama basketball program. Also, I'm really proud of whatever player you uh, have in your roster who's being. Uh, Recruited by Texas A&M Corpus Christi, the Islanders. <laughs> Why are they called the Islanders? That's my question. Are they on an island? Are they in South Padre? They might be. I don't know. Well, Corpus are they? Christi is. We. We're going to do that, some research here. <laughs> yeah, we're going to take a deep dive into Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Yeah, do I know Christi. that much about Texas, like island geography? No, I have no idea what's going on down there. I know, I know South Padre, and that's the limit. South that's what Padre you get from me. What you get. I got one piece for you. <laughs> Coming up next, does Cairo and Pareko's play of the last few games give you confidence going forward with what the Blues have in those two in their long-term contracts? We'll talk about it next on the opening drive. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time to break down the biggest sports story of the day on the opening drive with today's big thing. Brought to you by Clubhouse Turf, your exclusive partner of Celebrity Greens. We're redefining private golf. Oh. 
the moment you move a guy like that, the moment you move a six foot six defenseman that can skate, that can break up plays, that yes, you'd like to see be a little more physical, but that can keep up with the best players in the league on a regular basis. The moment you move him is the moment you start going, gee, we got to go find a guy like that. You look at this season, you're like, okay, guys are going to have bad seasons. It's going to happen. Even superstars have had bad seasons. You know, you, you, you want to be very careful not to overjudge those bad seasons uh, when you have a player that has as much ability as some of these guys have. That was Chris Kerber joining us earlier, talking about one Colton Pareko and his style of play and who he is. And when you don't have a guy like that, how you want one on your roster. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley. And Brooke, we often, Kerbs also mentioned it, he thinks the fans have been a little bit harsh in their criticism of Colton Pareko's play this entire season, talking to some people, seeing what how they have viewed him. If you don't have a guy on their roster that is his size or has his ability, you're going to wish you had one. And, you know, sometimes as a Blues fan or as just watching this team, you do get frustrated because you want more, but obviously <laughs> what he's saying is if you don't have that, you're going to be even more frustrated than you are right now. You, you know, I see what Curbs is saying because I think there's definitely been like a very bright, harsh spotlight on him this season. And look, Pareko will even be the first to tell you he hasn't been great at times this season. He's literally said that. And even you had Doug Armstrong and head coach, head coach Craig Ruby saying that it wasn't exactly his best stuff at times. And you wonder... You know, he was coming back from back injury as well. And also, this is a bigger role for him to take. But to Curb's point, how do you do you replace a guy like him who's playing over 20 minutes a game? I mean, that's that's a lot to manage. And you're not going to go find another guy like him, especially for that age range as well. And at least for me, I think that he is improving Mm -hmm. recently, which is what you like to see. And maybe you do get that kind of like dark looming cloud of the trade deadline out of the way. But I think people have always wanted Colton Pareko to be something that maybe they saw before, like a Chris Pronger where yeah. he has that fiery edge and, you know, plays with anger. Pareko's not that guy. Right. And so you can't force somebody to be something that you want him to be. And I think that the blues understand that. Would you like to see a little, little mean streak from him? Yeah, that would be great. But at the same time, to Kerb's point, you can't exactly replace what he is doing for this team right now. Yeah, just his size and ability to skate. I think that's one of the things when you're looking at defensemen. He probably, if you were to look at the, the prototypical defenseman or, or the person that you know you wanted to be that type of guy, it would probably be what you see from Colton Pareko, his size, his stature. I think sometimes, as you said, Blues fans get a little bit frustrated because he's not what you've seen before in that position. But that, this is who he is. And there are probably a number of teams that if they were to have a Colton Parego on their team, they would be extremely excited, as would their fan base, because he's, he's going to <laughs> provide what he provides, albeit it has not been to the level that I think most Blues fans would like this, this season so far. But I think going forward, he's going to continue to – get better and, and be better and, and hopefully and I think the thing that frustrates a lot of people is the contract they worry about the amount of money that is being tied up with Colton Pareko right now and so you want to see more from him but I think eventually you'll you'll get exactly what you need out of him because he's he is one of their best defensemen and you just need everybody to play better around him him as well well, and I think that's the thing, too, kind of segueing into Jordan Cairo as well with people who are upset about, you know, these big contracts. Yeah. That contract, as Curbs mentioned, is not kicking in until next season for Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo. And look, Jordan Cairo, he's reached 30 goals. That's a career high for mm-hmm. him, leads the team in goals. So 
theoretically, yeah, he's performing to what you want to see. I think the ceiling is high for him. It's whether or not he reaches that level. I mean, even Robert Thomas saying last night that he thinks he has a lot more to give. Barubi saying that as well. So I think that sometimes you have to realize with some of these guys too, With to Curb's point, is that it's going to take maybe a little bit of time for them to adjust to these new roles that they're taking on. Yeah, I think when you look at Jordan Cairo, his potential is limitless, right? He he ha- He's a guy that we've seen do some fantastic things. I think that the concern with him has been, is he going to be committed the entire game, the, for the entirety of it, meaning on both ends? Is he going to get back and do all of the things that are required to be a top-tier hockey player? Um, obviously, being a goal scorer, is, is he has the talent to be elite in that regard but being elite as an entire hockey player means playing both ends of the ice playing a 200 foot game is he willing to do that and and Brooke that's the thing that when you look at good players versus great players then great players players versus you know Hall of Fame type players those Hall of Fame type players do everything in the manner in which or they're just so much more talented than the players that they're playing against that they can they can you know get by with some of the some of the extra things not being done but I think Jordan Cairo in order for him to be to reach the full potential that we would like for him to be in this on this team and in this organization playing the entire game and showing that ability to be a playmaker in the manner in which he is is going to be exciting for us but just doing all of the little things, and it's not just him. It, it, it's it's everyone doing the little things to be the best team that they can be. And I think at least for now, from these past couple of uh, games, you know, you're seeing guys who are, as we mentioned earlier, battling for each other. That's encouraging. You're seeing guys, you know, buying into, okay, well, this is what we have for now. We're going to look ahead to next season. We need to start coming together as a group. And especially for that young core group of Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo, mm-hmm. you know, pushing them forward into these new, really more elevated roles, that's a big challenge for guys. And they signed, yes, they did sign up those big contracts, so they accept that challenge of these bigger roles. And that might take a little adjusting to get to. And, you know, I think everybody saw, and I... I don't. I think Craig Berube mentioned this as well. There was definitely times that Jordan Cairo, where you watch him, where he, you know, something didn't work out. He just hangs his head. Mm-hmm. He's visibly frustrated, and to the point where you just kind of see him kind of give up a little bit after that. I think you've seen a little bit less of that this season right. too, as well from him. So that's a move in the right direction, at least for him. And hopefully Robert Thomas and Craig Ruby are right, that this is just the beginning for him. It's only going to get bigger and better from here, and that he only has more to give. Also, he even threw Jordan Cairo on the penalty kill, too, at times as well, to try to bring out more of that, I wouldn't say physicality, but, you know, a little bit more of that presence there defensively. Maybe a little bit of grit. Just a little bit of sandpaper is is what you need uh, at times. Brooke, last question I have for you is, what do you think about this top six uh, for the Blues right now? Torbchenko, Robert Thomas, Jordan Cairo, Jacob Verana, Buchnevich, Kasperi Kapanen. Do you think that that's a top six going forward for the rest of this season and into next season that can be, you know, one of the top, top, top sixes in in the league? Well... It's hard to say. I'll say to your first question, for the rest of the season, yeah, it's going to work out just mm-hmm. fine. <laughs> uh, it's it's going to work out exactly how it's yes, supposed to. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, I think that Alexi Torbchenko has been super impressive. Him, especially putting him on that top line, the physicality that he's brought, he sticks out on the ice. You notice him. I mean, the way that he's aggressive, and I think that's helped out 
the lines a lot as well. And then you even had him moving around. They put him on that line with Tyler Picklick as well, too, and that resulted in a goal for the Blues. I like how Berube's kind of mixing and matching things to kind of work for different situations to find a spark. So I think the talent is there. How that will all come together, I think we have to wait for the rest of the season to see how that goes, too. That's Brooke. I'm Kerry. Coming up, the St. Louis City are 3-0, one of the best starts in MLS expansion history. We'll talk with St. Louis City goalkeeper Roman Berkey about how he feels about how City is doing and what the expectations are for the rest of the season. That's next on the opening drive. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Back inside, looking for Klaus. He fanned on it. Stroud out in front! And we're level at one! Leuven going to serve it again. Right into the back post! And a chance to make it 2-1, and they do! Yeah, I can't say enough about the boys, you know? And uh, one of the things that excites me most is a sense of being comfortable and satisfaction doesn't really filter into this group, right? Um, there's a feeling of never being satisfied. There's a feeling of playing with an edge, there's a feeling of playing with anger almost uh, every time we step on the training field. I said it last week, we're all from different walks of life and uh, you know, I think uh, the diversity, I think uh, the spirit, I think the connection, the chemistry between every individual, uh, we're a good group of guys on and off the field and I think that shows. Welcome to the opening drive. I'm Brooke Grimsley alongside Carrie Davis, and we welcome in now from the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line, St. Louis City SC goalkeeper and captain Roman Berkey. Roman, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Good morning. All right. Well, this was a very exciting weekend for you guys. You guys beat the Portland Timbers 3-1 to this weekend. City SC is off to a perfect 3-0 start. Only the second expansion team in league history to do so. It's all going according to plan, right, Roman? Yeah, of course. I mean, uh, we never thought it would go that way, and um, but we hoped that uh, it would work out. Uh, we, we worked hard in preseason. We prepared... Um, we we are preparing every game um, very intense and uh, just uh, the whole chemistry and the character of the whole team is great and I think that's that's also one point that that matters. Roman, we had Tim Parker on earlier, well, a couple of weeks ago, and he mentioned to us that in the MLS anything is possible. Most people had written you all off prior to the season starting, saying you would finish second to last or even dead last. Is that something that you all talked about and, and thought about and made sure that you came out and showed everyone that you are a much better team than most people predicted you all to be? Yeah, of course we were talking about this. Um, but um, my perspective is like – they don't know. They never knew what will what will come. You know, they mm-hmm. never saw us playing. They never know knew like um, if it if it's gonna work out or not. And I saw the inside. You know, and um, that's why I said um, my goal is to go to the playoffs uh, because I see the, the guys and the, the quality of the team every day. And I think we have the qualities. Um, we just need to keep going that way and working hard and stay humble. Roman, for you guys this weekend, you know, as the captain on the team too, what did you see out there and how you guys are just able to keep on carry on this winning momentum? Yeah, it's uh, 
It's a little bit strange, but uh, it looks like we need to um, concede a goal first and uh, be uh, be behind in a game to to actually uh, start playing our way. And um, we did that again now three times in a row. Uh, we were we fall behind against Austin. We were behind against Charlotte and uh, against uh, the Portland Timbers. And after that goal we concede, we start playing our style and uh, start being aggressive and um, playing with that anger in us a little bit. And I mean. It worked out three times now, but I hope in the future I can I can uh, I can have a clean sheet. <laughs> Brooke talked about that clean sheet. Is that something that you strive for when you come into a game? Of course, of course. Um, that's one thing um, for me, especially if I don't concede, we will not we will not lose the mm-hmm. game. Um, and uh, yeah, of course, we we tried hard um, the whole defense, but uh, I mean it's it's a set piece. We know what we have to work about. Uh, work at to to defend these these things better and um, uh, to be we are lucky to have um, such good quality in the offense too to score at least uh, two goals. Roman, we've had uh, Lutz Fanestil on many times on our show, and he's talked about the style of play in which the the St. Louis City team is going to play with just an aggressive, you know, pressing type of style. When you're watching your guys out there doing all of that and giving everything they got, how exciting is that for you? Just knowing, you know, that every single play they're they're giving you everything they can to make sure there aren't many shots on goal towards you. Yeah, that, that's an amazing feeling. Um, when you look at the team, there is no guy, no player who thinks he's better than, than or he is above the team. He's, every, everyone is, is working for the team, and uh, that's something great. That's not usual in sports, not in soccer, and um, I think that's what I mentioned before, uh, what I meant with, with great chemistry and characters in the team. Uh, we work as a team, and we know that we only work, only we will be only successful if we work together and not um, just for ourselves. Roman, what did you see from Kyle Hebert in that game against Portland? I know they're saying kind of the unlikely game winner, but what have you seen from him this season, and what did you think of that moment? I mean, it's it's his first it's first like real professional um, season, and he's doing really good. He's, he's staying calm with the ball, um, and of course, uh, I was not expecting to score. Because uh, in training he always missed these chances, and uh, <laughs> we, we 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 make a lot of fun about him when he misses these chances. And this time he he made it uh, perfect, and uh, we were all very happy about uh, for him. And of course he de- he deserves to be the the man of the match. Have you have you heard of that where people are just kind of? It seems like people are saying, "Oh, it's kind of been lucky for you guys in a lot of ways with some of these games and the ways that you guys have won it." What do you think of those comments? I think at one point it's it's yeah it's true. Sometimes we are lucky, but uh, I think we work hard to earn that luck. Um, and why are the other guys not lucky or the other teams not lucky? I mean, uh, we work for that luck, and this is how in life goes. Um, I mean, as as harder you work, as more luck you get, more lucky you get. I think that's what the coach said at one point in the in the preseason. And uh, I mean, yeah, like I said, we we try to to. Um, Put the players, the, our opponent, under pressure, and so sometimes they give away uh, easy goals for us. And I mean, that's also a, a style of play and um, a result of of, of us being uh, annoying on the field and working hard. <laughs> We're speaking with a St. Louis City goalkeeper, Roman Berkey. Roman, there's a young man on your team named Miguel Perez. He is a 17-year-old man, who young man who is 
on the team, but also he's in high school still. Do you all, when you talk to Miggy, what is that conversation about and how impressed are you with what he's able to do, you know, playing professional soccer, but still being a high school athlete, a high school student and going through his day-to-day process? Yeah, to be honest, Miggy is uh, an amazing player. Um, he's, like I said, he's still very young and uh, his qualities are are really, really good. So I ha- I think he has the chance to play, to make it like, uh, real high in his career, he he can have a really good career if he stays like he is. Like he's still humble, he's quiet, he's not talking too much. He works for the team. He takes after training. He uh, he takes stuff and um, put the balls back in. And uh, it's just a great character and um, a really good player. But um, I always try to. Um, I talk to him like he's a, he's already an older guy, like all the other guys. Um, so he, he adapts, you know, he knows what is going on. We don't like, we don't want to treat him like he's still the young kid. He's now with us in the team. Mm. So he has to be um, treated like, like, uh, like everyone else. And he's, he's really good in accepting that. And uh, I, I thought he, he played like he has no pressure. So he, he don't think too much. And that's a big quality. Thank you so much, Roman Berkey, for joining us as you guys also get ready for this weekend. Back at home, you will play. You will face the San Jose Earthquakes, but we really appreciate your time this morning. Thank you. Thank you, guys, for having me. Good luck this weekend. All right. That was City SC goalkeeper and captain Roman Berkey. I like what he said there. He says, look, a lot of people say luck, and sometimes there is luck. Oh, yeah. But still, they've been working hard for this. They, they've he was one of the players that even came in early. So you like what you see from him and the fire from them. Starting out 3-0 and to the season, it's great. One thing you learn in sports is the harder you work, it seems like the luckier you get. Yes. And so it just, the the, the ball bounces your way. It, things happen well when you're working hard. Some people call it luck. Some people call it, you know, it's just it's just how, how, how the world works, the sports world works when you're when you're working your butt off. We've got to ask him if he if he's had emails yet in his now I guess he's I mean he's been here for like nine months now. <laughs> oh come on. He's probably been asked that about twenty times already. You know that us St. Louis media yeah, love Tim to Parker, ask that. But Tim Parker's answer was priceless and I want to hear it again. Uh. <laughs> All right. Well before we had to break, Rock, what do you have about our bracket madness? I want to tell everybody again the selection Sunday was yesterday so the bracket it's out now. You're probably putting one together at work right now. So here's what you need to do. You need to get signed up to play in this year's Bracket Madness Pickup Challenge, and you can register now to participate at 101ESPN.com and fill out your bracket. It's free to enter, and this year's top score will take home a $250 Fanatics gift card and a 101 prize pack. See the contest rules and get signed up to play in Bracket Madness now at 101ESPN.com. Brought to you by Neutral and Twin Peaks. All right, and right after the break, we're going to be talking about Lars Newbar. Are you tired uh-huh. of hearing the, the, him the about president, him yet? I was going to say, uh, I, I wonder news, why news, we're doing a news club here, hey, Grimsley. Hey, 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 look, there's plenty to talk about. There's good reasons to talk about. I'm not making things up here. We're this is we're continuing the Lars uh-huh, Newbar uh-huh, international uh-huh. sensation here in St. Louis and cheering for I him. I love it. <laughs> That's next on the opening drive. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Newport takes the 1 1 to center field. That scores Nakano 4 0 Japan. Hey guys, it's Lars Newport from the Tokyo Dome. Uh, advantage of the quarterfinals. Thanks for all the support. Let's go get it.
That's Lars Newbar from the WBC over the weekend. Coming back, <laughs> opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley. And Brooke, you are indeed the president, chairman, founder, uh, treasurer, secretary, all of the things for the Lars Newbar fan club. What have you seen from him? And, and he is becoming an international sensation, really taking uh, the, the, the world by storm with what he's doing in Team Japan and having a lot of fun while doing it. He's doing everything. I wouldn't be surprised. You know, Korea has K-pop and Japan has, you know, kind of their version of J-pop. Okay. I wouldn't be surprised if he also launches his musical okay. career while, while he's, he's there. out there in Japan. Because <laughs> he seems to be doing it all. Look, this is this is a big deal for Lars Newtbar. One, he's the first American-born player to be on Team Japan. And he said he was playing for his mother. His mother's originally from Japan. That's just That's a, awesome. a beautiful thing. And... Look, he's making his mother proud. He's making Cardinals fans proud because that competition that we keep talking about with the Cardinals outfield, that's continuing right now. And they're 100% watching how guys like Lars Newtbar are playing. And Team Japan is a really talented team. Right now for Team Japan, and they're 4-0 right now, he has gone 6-14 for 14 with two stolen bases and more walks than strikeouts in their first four first round their first four first round games excuse me that's a little bit of a tongue twister and also he has hit leadoff so that's something else interesting to watch as we talked about earlier with that other competition going on with Brendan Donovan as well and what that will look like for the Cardinals but Newbar has been fantastic I mean it, it seems like He's really taking the moment. He's taking the spotlight and doing the most with it. And you know in the back of his head he knows that that competition is still ongoing with the Cardinals as well. And they're watching all every little thing that is happening right now. Yeah, I think the, the true testament of how uh, St. Louis will view Lars Newbar is not how well he performs in the outfit, but can he get one Shohei Otani to join the Cardinals? Now, if he's able to pull that off, he will go down in history as one of the best Cardinals to play the game. Yeah, I think so. Uh, that would, I think that would be nice if he can sweeten the deal. I don't know if there's enough, uh, you know, pepper grinders out there to bring Shohei Otani <laughs> or enough money. To St. Louis. Yes, that's, I don't know. Maybe you can auction some of those off, and that would help. Bring them in. Maybe I don't know, but I mean, seeing him and Shohei Otani play together, the fact that Lars Newbar has taken over a leadership role, and he does not speak Japanese. He mm -hmm. speaks just a little bit, and somehow is still able to take over a leadership role. When he's not even speaking the same language as them, it has been really fun to see the energy, the spark that he brings. I thought it was really interesting what BT was saying earlier is that you miss that with Harrison Bader, the energy that he brought when he was a part of the Cardinals. And then you wonder who's going to take that over. And I think Lars Newtbar is that answer. And in my opinion, he's going to be the starter out in right field. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think agree that, with that. I think that he has earned that. He's continued to show that he deserves that. I think that his journey has been really interesting, too, because, you know, he was considered a fringe prospect really kind of early in his career and the way that he was able to make some adjustments to his swing and really, I would say, power his way into the Cardinals spotlight and force his way into this conversation has been really, really good. And you wonder, OK, maybe last season, him coming in a little bit later on, you wonder, is that just kind of a fluke? Mm -hmm. Was that just, oh, that was, you know, him coming up, the energy coming off of that. But I think he's at least proving so far, especially playing on such a big stage for a powerhouse team like Team Japan, 
that this is not a fluke that he's going to continue to grow and follow up from what he did last season. Another player playing in the World Baseball Classic we've talked about is Adam Wainwright. Had a bit of a struggle early on, gave up a home run in the first inning to Great Britain, but settled down, ended up pitching four innings with one earned run, five hits, four strikeouts, one walk. What did you see from Adam and and does that give you a little bit of a, 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 a more confidence knowing that he did give up a home run early but was able to settle down and really get it going? Well, I think we were all watching this this start for Adam Wainwright, right? One, because you love to see that he gets to represent Team USA. That was a huge dream and goal of his to be able to represent Team USA on the world stage like that. And so you're just so happy to see at 41 years old that yeah. he gets to be the game one starter for Team USA. I love, did you see that photo of the USA flag draped around him? <laughs> yeah. That's going to be in like every sports yeah. bar in town, right? Yep. I mean, I you just love that for him, and not a great start, as you as you mentioned right. there. He gives up that home run to Trace Thompson, um, but the way that he was able to settle in after that, it was very vintage Wayno. And after a couple of rough outings during spring training, which we all know it wasn't great, and then you also worry about you know he had the back spasms. Mm-hmm. What's going on with that? I thought at least in this start, this game one start for Team USA. I saw Vintage Wayno. It's what you expected out of him. He was able to settle in. He was he goes four innings, allows one run off of five hits, struck out four, and walked just one. That's the Wayno I'm expecting, especially if he's going to be your number four or five guy. I think that's pretty solid. Yeah, just the fact that he was able to rebound after giving up that home run and, and showed that he is back to being healthy. I think that was one of the main concerns about him going to the World Baseball Classic was not being injured when he got there or not playing injured when he got there, which I think you know we all pretty much assumed that if there was an injury or something that wasn't right, he was going to take make sure that he took um, time off and, and was healed for, for the Cardinal season, but for him to be able to have this experience, something that he talked about, he said he sat on his boat in the middle of, of the night and, and was going through it when he got cut years ago. So to have this experience, I believe almost 20 years later, to be the day one pitcher, the game one pitcher, uh, and have that much fun, get a few strikeouts, and get the win for those guys, I think was awesome for him. Well, and also, too, you, you wonder, okay, does he still have that Adam Wainwright playoff edge? And not saying, obviously, this is playoffs, but you're still playing on a big stage. Yep. And he performed like the Wayno that you like to see, performing with that intensity on the big stage. I thought that's what you wanted to see, vintage Wayno. The velo could be a little bit ba- better, but are you really expecting too much from him? As long as you're not giving up, you know, a, b- a bunch of runs or anything like that. Once he got past that first solo shot, he settled in nicely, and I thought he looked great out there. Also in that game, Paul Goldschmidt went three for three with a, with uh, one run scored and did a great job. Also, yes, yes, well, he did. Three runs scored. Excuse me. So, I thought I thought with with Nolan Arnato and Paul Goldschmidt. You're just excited for them, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I you have to be. Sorry, one for three <laughs> with three runs scored for and one walk for uh for for Goldschmidt. But either way, just the fact that they are doing well, uh, having fun doing it. Hopefully, everyone comes back healthy and ready to play. It's going to be fun for for this Cardinals team in this season, uh, this upcoming season. And somebody pointed this out on the text line, and you are correct. Tyler O'Neill did have a great weekend as well for Team Canada. We can't forget about him no. and Team Canada We're not as well. He went four for four with four RBI. Looks pretty good. I, I made my prediction earlier today. I, I'm standing by it. 
We got that. We're gonna have that segment too. Stand by. We, we're gonna do that eventually, right? I like that segment a lot. <laughs> we so tell us what you guys think about this segment. We we talked about it last week. We have this idea of doing a segment called Stand By It, where you have your hot take that you are just going to go to battle for and stand by <laughs> it. I think we all can predict what mine is, right? Oh, yeah. Lars Newt Bar is going to be your starting <laughs> right fielder, and yours. Cardinals won the World Series this year. Oh, okay. All right, sure. Standing by it. You are just going to stand by that one for a long time, oh, yeah. huh? Yeah, we got a while to go, <laughs> but I'm here for it. For those that don't know, I'm right here for it. I'm, I'm, we're waiting to see how this all pans out for the Cardinals And this we season. would like to he- hear yours, too. Maybe yours is, Brooke, I hate your opinion, and Lars Newtbar is a fourth outfielder. You never know. But either way, I think it would be a fun segment to do. And also, just a reminder, Dylan Carlson still is kind of battling that arm fatigue, so you never know how things are going to shake out with this Cardinals outfield. It's going to be exciting. Coming up next, we have a little bit of rock and roll, and you also have your opportunity to win first-round action, to check out the first-round action of the NCAA tournament. Tips off this Thursday and Friday. 101 ESPN is getting in on the madness with a live broadcast at Max Downtown Alton. We'll be live from Max with BK and Ferrario from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. and the Fast Lane from 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. Come enjoy delicious food, the coldest beer, plenty of screens to watch all the first-round madness, and more. Plus, we'll have a chance to score a pair of tickets to Metallica at the Dome on Sunday, November 5th. BK and Ferrario and the Fastlane are both live this Thursday and Friday for the tourney at Max Downtown. Coming up next, we got a little bit of rock and roll. That's next on the opening drive. O'Neal to right, and that could chase him home. That's a diving stop by Young and right. Lost the ball. One run across, two runs across. Here comes Freeman, Tyler O'Neal. 10-5. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. This is electric. Uh, St. Louis has been dying for a football team. We brought it back here. I'm excited that they get to see a really good product as well. These guys are hyped up to be here, and uh, it's a special place. When I first got this job, I wanted to make sure, like, I prayed I'd get this this team, and I'm glad I am, and I'm just trying to lead by example and help these guys. But this is electric. It's awesome. Pressure from the left. McCarron lets it go deep. Caught. Touchdown, St. Louis, Darius Shepard. Oh, we're doing awesome. We got to keep the foot on the neck. And, I mean, these boys can't compete with us. So we're going to keep rolling. This has by far been the, the loudest and uh, the craziest fans and uh, yelling at you, booing you. That's kind of fun, you know. What impact does this environment have? It's, it's so difficult, especially if you haven't done it in a really long time. All your mechanics are completely thrown off. That sound was from the Battle Hawks game this past Sunday, and it was an awesome time, right? We, we were able to make out the last little last little piece of audio, man. That crowd was getting was, wild. And it was some the the Cronky sucks ch- chance <laughs> were, were raining down from the get go. I mean, it was it was not even kickoff when the first one rang out. There were a couple other ones, and I, honestly, just for me, an incredible atmosphere, especially when you think about that opening up the top parts of the dome Mm -hmm. and playing an XFL football game was supposed to happen in 2020. All the news was announcing. They were literally breaking the news that we're going to open it up as the world started shutting down. And so three years later, after it got kind of ripped away from us by some circumstances we couldn't control, 
it happened. Almost 40,000 people showed up. It was legitimately a special moment, I think, if you were inside the Dome yesterday. I thought that was awesome, and I just, I'm just i proud of St. Louis for what they did. I don't care if it's the XFL. That, w- that was an absolute spectacle they put on yesterday. And I'm not trying to take away from their win, which they won 24-11. to 11. I'm not trying to take away from that. But was it really about winning, or was it just the fact that you finally had that home opener back, you had XFL back, yeah. you had pro football back, and it was all more about the fans in this situation and them showing we are a sports town. Mm-hmm. We've deserved to have a pro football team. Even Austin Prohl saying that after the game, that St. Louis didn't deserve to have any pro football taken away from them. Yeah, it was a it was a spectacular moment. Like I said, you heard Anthony Beck, head coach for the Battlehawks, talking about it. Just the experience of of what St. Louis has brought to XFL, or what the XFL has brought to St. Louis. The 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 best franchise, the best fans. You get to have people. We talked about it earlier that are dressed up. It, it's kind of. Um, Kind of like the 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 Las Vegas Raiders or the Oakland Raiders when they had you know they got the black yeah. hole they got the fans that that dress up in in wild costumes and they show up and they show out for the games and and the Battlehawks are bringing that type of energy and you you're looking at potentially forty forty five thousand for the next home game that's it's gonna be my prediction yeah you, I, you're, you're, I, at, I at least I have no like illusions as to why or even delusions as to why people are coming out. St. Louis is being petty, and and I love it for that reason. I want to give St. Louis a hug for being so fantastically petty. Well, that, it's it's fantastic. I mean, literally, it was the soccer game ended at midnight. People showed up to tailgate at 10 a.m. Um, in, in fairly cold weather for even even early March in, in St. Louis. Uh, yeah, it was a giant. It was a proverbial middle finger to the doubters and. Listen, that's sometimes when you're a scrappy little town like this, you got you got to fight like that. And I'm okay with it because this is a sports town. This is a sports city, not just baseball, not just hockey. You have soccer, you have football, you have yeah, a lot of, of people showing up. You got basketball even with the Arch Madness. You have a lot of fans that show up and support, you know, local programs, local organizations, and I think that, you know, what the Battle Hawks are doing it's so fun. It's extremely fun for, for that franchise. It's extremely fun for those players to be able to play in an environment like that. And it's something that as a as a Battlehawk, as the ownership, you can kind of hang your hat on and say, we have the best home field advantage in all of the league. And teams know that when they come in here, it's going to be loud. You're going to have to deal with that, that, that crowd noise that as an offensive player, it can be a struggle to hear not only the play call in the huddle, but to hear the snap count, which you often leads to false starts and things happening on the on the opposing mm-hmm. team's offense. So, yeah, it, it, it's a great experience for those fans and for that Battlehawks franchise. I would like to see other teams, also the fans, dress up. I would like to see how the hockey fans <laughs> would dress up in their in their costumes. <laughs> Cardinals fans, how they would dress up in their costumes. Which I know that every once in a while you do see some people with. You know, certain outfits on mm-hmm. or different things like that. I feel like even like Tao Man for the Blues has his own specific look. Yeah. And then the Cardinals have what is his name? Uh, Cardinals Cowboy. Oh gosh, no, we don't need to. We don't need to encourage more of that. <laughs> no, I'm not. But I'm just saying, like we I, do need to encourage it. We need all of the just the crazies. outfits. Just, just have fun. outfits. Yeah, just have, have fun. fun. Yeah, but exactly. I, you know, get more people out there in bird outfits. I'm down with it. 
There you if go. You, if you have a Kakar outfit, paint it red. Paint it red. There you go. Just bring it from what? the Battlehawks to the Cardinals. Brooke, I, I don't know why you're so down on the Battlehawks because you love the I'm scrappy underdog who we all love for, for maybe not the reasons on the field, but because of what he brings off the field. In fact, let's talk about one of our favorite scrappy underdogs. The Cardinals posted this on their Twitter earlier today. This is a little clip from their newest, um, I guess, piece of media with our one favorite, Lars Newtbar. Good afternoon, and welcome to a special edition of Newt News. I'm Lars Newpar. Today we are coming to you live from sunny Jupiter, Florida, where everyone is excited to begin spring training. Before we begin with today's news, let's catch up with some off-season headlines. Tyler O'Neill welcomed a baby girl into the world. Congrats to Tyler and his wife. Um, it's kind of giving me a little motivation myself to not be a father anytime soon. Hall of Fame shortstop Ozzie Smith hit his first hole-in-one this offseason. Ozzie, I may need some tips on the golf course because I am nowhere near that. Star country singer Adam Wainwright has a new album coming out, and let's just say it's a good one. And what's better than love? Juan Yepes tied the knot and Jake Woodford got engaged. Oh, congrats to those two. Everything they do, everything this guy does, turns to absolute solid gold, Brooke. It's amazing. He's And also, now he's coming after our jobs. Yeah, that's true. Oh, he, he was way, way too polished. I was kind of a little worried to play it. I, I mean, he was better than I ever was as a, as a reporter for TV broadcasting. I mean, come on, leave something for the rest of us, Lars Newbar. Very talented I mean, geez. man. I, and that was just so, that's so funny to see, too. And he had a, an interview with Andrew Kisner in there as well. You can tell that he's everybody's friend. Yeah, he is. He, he does a great job. And he's, like I said, he brings that excitement, you know, that energy level that you need because, you know, sports can be mundane. It's day-to-day. It's every day, especially baseball. You got 100 of them things, 162 of them, and trying to get up every single day for them is, uh, can be a challenge. But when you got a guy in the, in the clubhouse that has that type of personality, it definitely helps you be the best version of yourself every single day. All right. Yeah, that was it. That was exciting weekend. Exciting weekend for Battlehawks. I am excited about them winning Thank and you. the fan attendance. Thank you, Brooke. Get the straight. I don't know why you're so down on. I mean, I mean, Greg Amzinger's down on Lars. You're down on the Battlehawks. Can we get some teamwork, please? We're 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 making the fast lane angry. We're we're bothering hey, the midday show, no, which bothers me less. I'm all for but that. Still, so I'm yes. all for that. I'm yes. I'm all for. I almost forgot that we poked yeah. the bear a little yeah. bit more at seven o'clock yeah. today. I gotta go I'm, back and all, listen to that again. We are we are ready for whatever they got. Brooke, thank you. Good job today. All right, and I'll be back here again tomorrow and the, and the day after day. and the and after. And, and <laughs> when you guys are live on opening day, Brooke's gonna be there. Yes. <laughs> Good job, Rock. We got we, yeah we got permission for her to go apparently. <laughs> Good That's job, Rock. Hey, my pleasure. Coming up next, you got a balloon party with T Mac and Ajax. That's next on 101 ESPN. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.